When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to Buckeye Talk and, and let me do something right off the bat and that was Buckeye Talk. And I had to do that because you didn't do it last week. I didn't you, ended it, you ended it in your own way. I did, You yeah. got the power and you said, I'm not doing the ending. Well, I didn't want to infringe upon your trademark. It's not my ending, it's our ending. Just so you know. For the yeah, future. but it, it's, it's individuality is important. In, I feel in, like you should have recorded yourself saying it and just like sent it to us. Yeah, oh, that would have gone yeah, over really that well. That would have been your like, hey, by the way, uh, here's the ending. <laughs> yeah. So you and I are both fans of the uh, now defunct West Wing Weekly podcast. Yes. And, and for people who've watched the West Wing, there's a catchphrase. President Bartlett always says, what's next? That's like how they... And so at the end of every podcast, they would say, what's next? And they would have their guests say, what's next? So when, like, Rob Lowe would come on and they'd have record him saying that, and that's how they would end. So I think that's what we need to do. Uh, we need to record all these Ohio State luminaries saying, and that was Buckeye Talk. So we'll have Kerry Combs yeah, or Ryan Urban Day or Urban Meyer or whoever. We get them on the show first, but yeah. No, we yeah, could just pull yeah. them aside and say, hey, can you say walking around. that was Buckeye just Talk? Pull them in real quick. So I do that out in the hall at, at the Woody. Back in uh, college one time, I, I worked for the college radio station, and I went to a Cubs game, and I got, like, all these random Cubs people to, like, say the tagline of our student radio station, and then I, like, erased them by accident. Anyway, um, Doug Maurice, Stephen Means, and Nathan Baird, back yeah. with your Buckeye talk. Hey, it's good to be back. Um, speculation about my death was appreciated, um, and I do want to say right off the bat that, that last week, in my absence, Stephen, you compared the episode to come to smooth jazz because you were talking about there's going to be less yelling yeah. and not as much stuff and and I would just like to say that that smooth jazz is terrible and boring and no one likes it so the smooth jazz comparison I was like <laughs> that is out. this supposed to be a positive like get ready for this podcast it's smooth jazz smooth jazz is soothing for the soul soothing for the soul this is not that hey it was signing day they signed one guy the Buckeyes did we're going to recap like where they finished up in the final, 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 final national rankings. We talked to Kerry Combs and Corey Dennis for the first time in their new roles at Ohio State. We got Ryan Day for 20 minutes. We talked to 14 new enrollees. Holy moly. And we have a bunch of your questions. We're going to talk about Luke Fickle. Might he wind up at Michigan State replacing Mark D'Antonio? What that might mean for the Buckeyes? Could it mean something? We have a lot to cover. And we're going to get to it, and we're going to, then in the next couple of weeks, we're going to come up with some very specific ideas so we don't repeat ourselves. Spring football starts, I think, March 2nd with the first practice. We'll have new stuff then. But this is like the end of our learning, kind of. We talked to a bunch of people today. I don't know that we're going to talk to anybody else with Ohio State football the next couple of weeks. So we're going to find fun things to talk about. But 
Let's get this out of the way. Ohio State signed Cam Martinez. Their class is what, 25 now? Correct. 25. 24. 24. Wait, no, 25. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. He's the they haven't updated him as a sign letter. Okay. So they finished with 25 uh, guys in the class. We're not going to reset the class, but in the final rankings, Stephen, the 247 composite rankings, mm-hmm. which are the most fair things to use, where did the Buckeyes finish? The Buckeyes are fifth behind number one Georgia, number two Alabama, number three Clemson, and number four LSU. Okay. So in the end, um, one of the questions to wrap up the Ryan Day part of the news conference today was like, Ryan, you're so wonderful, but people didn't think you could recruit like Urban Meyer. I was like, geez, Louise, can we kiss someone's butt more in a question? <clears throat> Sound like a TV person asked that question. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I got to What do we think final, like, and, and again, not that it's a surprise, but they did lock up Cam Martinez. Ryan Day said, I told Cam Martinez we're going to hire the best coach in the country for your position. Um, they got Kerry Combs. Kerry Combs went to Michigan and got work done. Kerry Combs has been recruiting Michigan when he was at Ohio State before. I just threw my glasses. Like, wh- where are we with Ryan Day on this first full recruiting class for him? I, you know, it, it seems like a pretty solid class to me. I think you, you the one hiccup was the Clark Phillips situation, but there's some extenuating circumstances there where you, you, you lost – your defensive coordinator and one of the guys who was recruiting him the most. And um, sometimes those those flips happen. I know that it, it looks weird for Ohio State to lose someone to Utah. But again, extenuating circumstances, for the most part, they kept this class together. It sounds like they went and got what they wanted. Obviously, the big question mark will be running back. Do you look back now in a year or two and say that miss on getting some kind of a big running back in this class is costing Ohio State something down the line. Yeah, the running back is obviously an issue, but like we learned, Brian Hartline can recruit his butt off. Recruiter of the year! Recruiter of the year. He got four wide receivers in one class, all in the top 100. But recruiter of the year, by the way, that's a real thing. That's real. What is it that he got? The 247 recruiter of the year. He was the number one ranked recruiter of every assistant coach in in this recruiting cycle. So that's actually like a pretty big deal that in his first official year as a wide receivers coach, he was able to get this type of haul. Maintaining Paris Johnson Jr. is the most important thing they did in this class. Obviously, he originally committed because of Urban Meyer, and he was able to convince him to, to stay, to stay, not only stay committed, but like to find other reasons outside of just playing for a legendary coach to come to Ohio State. And he, along with Legend Cavazos, became like the two main guys who were, you know, the 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 player recruiters in this class. You had Julian Fleming to that number three player in the country, the number one wide receiver. They found they. I don't know if you can say they found C.J. Stroud. I think the world found C.J. Stroud all at the same time. But then they they were able to convince two quarterbacks in the same class to come in together and compete for a backup job, which will probably is going to turn into a starting job next year. I will say, and I, I, I and I was going to make a list of all the things that I disagreed with that you guys talked about last week, and I thought we could just come back <laughs> and I'll just say uh, at the twenty three twenty six mark. No, I would have yelled this had I been here. Um, you guys, you were uh, very uh, effusive in your praise last week of Ohio State landing Jack Sawyer. And and I can't remember what I've said in the past, and I just want to be very clear that just because I've said something in the past doesn't mean I think it like right now, this very second. So I might be contradicting myself. I, you know, I don't give them... I think it's okay when you're Ohio State to like rip them when they lose an important in-state kid and not give them that much credit when they get a local... like. If they didn't get Jack Sawyer, it would be time to burn the Woody to the ground. Fair. So it's like, 
hey, congratulations. It's like, well, congratulations on hap- you happen to have the best defensive end in the country 10 minutes from campus. You better get him. And well, so, like, I, I, you're right about Paris Johnson, and it was a little more complicated. And, yes, the Jackson-Carmen exceptions and trade to Priest in the past and Jordan Hicks, they're all the exceptions that prove the rule. But, man, like, you know, if Ohio – let's get to the world where Ohio State is not getting the top yeah. three kids in Ohio that they actually want. And that is a world that nobody wants to live in. So I, I just – I don't – some of that is like, well, yeah, duh. Let's talk about Texas when Texas can't recruit Texas, mm-hmm. and then people get fired. Well, or yeah, when when the the three really good quarterbacks in the state of California in the class of twenty twenty, and none of them are going to schools in California, or even yeah, on the I West mean, Coast in general, right? <laughs> uh, I, I, much as you don't necessarily hold yourself to things you said in the past, mostly because I can't remember. Well, what I, I, said. I was about to say I can't yeah. exactly remember, but I thought the context of us bringing up Sawyer was. It wasn't. Somebody had asked a question about the lack of the, def- uh, high level defensive ends in like the 2020 class, or, and it was in conjunction with you know how many in state kids they were getting for 2021. Yeah. And I think it was just kind of an oh, by the way, this it's not just it's not all just those kids that we've talked about as like the three stars who might just be career backups, but those guys will stick here better if they're. It's also don't forget about this guy who's maybe yeah. the best it recruit was, in the It country. was more just about this is like what Ryan Day had said from the like the first time he was asked about recruiting, where it's you know. Like, obviously, because he's not whoever Meyer was, he's got to lock down Ohio, and he's got to lock down the best players in Ohio. And at bare minimum, he's doing that part. I do think so. I think there's a couple of things. I was just talking to some people um, on Wednesday. Um, and just in general, I think the early Ohio emphasis that we saw in this class will lessen yeah. over time. There's a little bit of, like, take what you can get with the new guy. Um the California West Coast emphasis, I would expect, will continue as long as USC and UCLA have their heads up their own butts. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ohio State is not the only school realizing that. I actually have a story that I've been like reporting for like a year, and I did more reporting on it today. I swear to God, I think I'm going to write it this time. But like, well, we were turning we into a thirty for thirty. But I, I talked to at when we were at the Fiat at the Fiat. Where were we? Fiesta Bowl. Fiesta Bowl. I enjoyed my break. <laughs> I was off for like 20 days. I went to uh, I went to therapy for the first time ever. And it turned out that I just complained for an hour. Yeah. yeah. And it was sort of like, can I pay you to listen to me complain for an hour? And I don't think I'm going to do it anymore because is it supposed to be more than that? Like I wouldn't mind being well, fixed, but all I did was complain. I think you get out of it what you put into it. Yeah. I'm willing. It's like I'm willing to go deep. I will go deep. But, all I, did, but I was just complaining about, well, you know, like people who drive too slow and whatever. And it's like I don't. It's your first session. Yeah, you gotta give it time. Well, also, yeah. But it, why you, am I like this? That's what I'm choosing what to say. I, I doubt very much your therapist said, "Hey, can you tell me your opinions about <laughs> driver traffic?" <laughs> trust but the process, did, Doug. He didn't dissuade me. By the way, if you can get paid to hear Doug Lamarice complain. Where do I sign? Where do Man. I need to submit my W two? I mean, Man. that's by, by the way that thing that right. We might be we're trying now to make money off podcasts, and I think I might just come up with a reason for for us to have to pay people to listen to the podcast. <laughs> Maybe yeah. You are my therapist. We just got a bunch of stops on the texts. Yeah. Wow. I also I also uh, I also worked out. I did some yoga for the first time, and I went to a hip hop class. 
Oh, wait, and I'm fixed. Hold on, a hip hop class, like a hip hop like aerobics class. Yes, or a like hip hop. Like you're, you're, like you're, you're an you MC learned now. Rap. Oh no, yeah, no, 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 yeah. Uh, hi, uh, my name is MC Doug L. Uh, I would like to learn to be a rapper, please. Um, so anyway, I can see it. So that's why I want to do. I want to do a future thing about the complaining. I would like one of our future podcasts to be about something like you sort of want to complain about Ohio State football. Not a big thing, but a thing that annoys you a little bit, and a thing that annoys you in life. Like for instance, I've noticed this a lot lately. The people who at a stoplight leave a car length of gap in between the car in front of them. Yes. Why do you do that? No, or they don't even pull up to the light. It's like a what whole, are you doing? Oh my! If everybody did that. Every stoplight, when you had 10 cars there, would be a mile long because everyone's leaving a car length of space. It's insane. That will be an entertaining podcast when we get to that. We're not doing that now. So let's move. I don't even know what I was saying before. Edit this out, Nathan. Edit this out. Are you going to process this one? Or am, am I, I recording this? It? Yeah. You're recording it. What? Oh, shoot. No one's recording this. Um, <laughs> let's talk about... So we, we, we have the number five class in the country... Ryan Day did a good job. Oh, I was talking about some of the things. One of the other things I, I, I just was, again, talking to some people. It's interesting how this works about they're going to keep recruiting California as long as it's worth it. And at the moment, it's still worth it. The funny thing about all the urban talk, and I've complained about this on the text already, it's like all the time that was wasted about urban going to USC and urban going to the Dallas Cowboys and urban going to the Cleveland Browns. And guess what urban's doing? Nothing still, which is great. Going to the State of the Union. He went to the State of the Union. Um, But he's not a football coach. God, all the wasted time. But, like, the thing that would actually shut down Ohio State recruiting on the West Coast would be Urban Meyer at USC. Would, like, shut that down immediately. Because Ohio State doesn't go bang their head against a wall. They're not banging their head in Georgia anymore because Kirby Smart shut it down. But when there was an opening there and Mark Richt wasn't getting done, then they went and did work there. They go and do work where there's an opening. There's going to continue to be an opening in California until UCLA and USC get their stuff together. So I would expect that to continue. But then I was I was sort of wondering in the end, you brought up the Clark Phillips thing. That was the one hiccup, right, in this class. And the running backs. I'd say there's two hiccups. Yeah, no, you're right. 100% true. But they never really had the running backs. Phillips was the guy yeah. that they had and then lost. And 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 someone had just said it might have, it was one of those situations where where the kid loved Jeff Halfley more than he loved Ohio State, which is yeah. like which is certainly how you would read that. But I thought it was interesting to hear that it's just one of those things that like you want someone to establish great relationships, but you also yeah. you're trying to sell. And if it's an Ohio kid or even an Indiana kid or a Pennsylvania kid, sometimes that's easier. When it's a California kid and your coach leaves right. and you don't you don't know all that much about the school, that's the risk that you run. So that that's why they lost in the end they lost Clark Phillips. Yeah, I always tell people, even when it comes to these recruiting and, and, and coaching searches and stuff, just put yourself in that situation. Like you've got two job offers on the table, you think they're pretty even, but you like the boss over here a little bit better. And then right as you're about to make the decision, that boss leaves. Right. That's kind of what these kids are looking at. That's that's how I that's how I look at it. I took my very first job, um, out of college and the sports editor, the guy who hired me was there and he left like two months after I started, he was gone. And the new sports editor was Dave Campbell, who is our sports editor now at Cleveland.com, who is the most important person in my professional life. So sometimes it works out great. You're saying you made Dave Campbell the man he is today. (laughs) No, no, no. Dave listens to this. You can't (laughs) what? Dave made (laughs) me. That's why I just want, I was clarifying exactly what you were saying. Nathan who said that, um, he's so, shaking his head up and down no matter what he says out loud. 
this is, um, we have a lot of stuff. Let's get into this now before we get into some more specifics about the players we talked to today. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff with this coaches. And guys, we did a bunch of videos talking about the players. Um, Every quote those guys say we have access to, it's a thing where we all sort of share quotes from guys. There's going to be a million stories on these 14 early enrollees that you're going to see. Um, there's some interesting stuff that you just learn talking to them once they're on campus and that kind of thing. And we're going to share that with you. But it wasn't like it wasn't like breaking news off of it. Um, actually, let's start before we get into Kerry Combs and Luke Fickle. The, the two or one or two things that were kind of breaking news – Cam Martinez and his position, and Jackson Smith Najigba and his position. Let's start with Jackson Smith Najigba. We did do a video about it, but we want to make sure you guys in the podcast hear about it. What's up with him? Right now, his idea is that he's going to be playing H back, and like the the comparison is like KJ Hill, and like when somebody brought that up, he said that's like perfect. That's exactly what he wants. Like he's he's asked Heartline to like put clips together of what KJ Hill did in his time here because like if he has that type of career then like he's done exactly what he wanted to do at Ohio State. I I just thought it's not a surprise but that was like music to my ears. That idea because we had talked about it a lot but I love the idea of proactively filling a gap Brian Hartline and Ryan Day had both talked about it, but it's one thing to say we're going to get the best six receivers on the field, and then you actually see them doing things to make it happen. Well, actually, and when you go back to the offensive um, depth drop podcast that we did a couple weeks ago, we mentioned some other guys in the mix. I think you even brought up like Chris Olave. Maybe Chris Olave is a slaw guy on this team. Could that make sense when you're balancing six guys? I don't really know that we thought that hard about Jackson Smith and Jigba, and then when it when he said that today, almost like automatically, I was like, oh well, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, right. look at the size he is. Look at the skill set he has. The kind of the role that he was used to playing. Yeah. That is the receiving spot that would probably get the most targets potentially. It's a great position to it, play. It's actually you had him at a Z uh, behind Julian Fleming and Chris right. Hall. But I mean, just in our discussion, yeah, I don't that was think we a, really no even thought I, about like it. to the point of like they're gonna like you're gonna get the ball a lot. This is a guy who comes from an offense where he got the ball like seven times a game like he he at 109 catches his senior year so to play in a position where like in this offense the h is gonna probably gonna lead the lead, lead the team and catches at least it has the last four seasons with curtis samuel kj hill twice and paris gamble like yeah how what better way to ease him into a position where like he probably is not gonna be getting the ball seven times a game but he can get the ball four times well a game. and he might i mean he might get it seven times a game, but just the idea, like when we talked about on this whole thing, you look at Olave, Garrett Wilson as the returners, and then Fleming, Smith Njigba, and G. Scott as the new guys. And yeah. Again, Mookie Cooper is the most natural H-back, but he didn't play his last year of high school football. You imagine he's going to have a slower transition. Mm-hmm. But those top five, right, isn't that everyone's in agreement on those top five? Wilson, Olave, Fleming, Scott, Smith Njigba. And there's only four outside spots. Right. So what you have to problem solve off that, and here they are. Yeah, and and um, the reason – they're not going to do it because he used to catch a lot of passes in high school. They're not doing it to, like, placate his desire to have a lot of targets. They're just going to – I think it's more about just what you're talking about. They've got five guys for four spots. They need that other guy to go somewhere. And when you heard Ryan Day talk today, he was pretty blunt, I thought, when he said after – once CJ went down, I mean CJ Saunders, right? They did not have confidence in anybody else that was in that slot conversation, that H back conversation, besides KJ Hill. So that's why KJ Hill was pretty much the exclusive slot guy last year. And and what you saw them use a lot of twelve form, um, 
12 personnel things. Um, so that told me that someone like Jalen Gill probably has a long way to go to prove himself this spring, um, especially with the larger roster dynamics. It would not surprise me at all if, if I don't know. You, you might be right about Cooper. Cooper may even be a year removed from being on the depth chart. But I, I, I didn't talk to him today. I mean, it just, it just to me, that seems Cooper, like a very logical thing. If, to like, if you Cooper have a red shirt, it yeah. makes a lot of sense. Like you haven't played football in a year. We sh- the expectation shouldn't be like you're going to come in here and be the best H back. And especially game, if right? you think, sorry, but if, especially if you think Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be an H back yeah. and he's going to stick there long term, you almost. It makes a whole lot of sense to redshirt Cooper because then they're not that. in the same class. He just class. didn't play football last and, year. And even, I mean, again, Jalen Gill is a top 50 national guy right. entering his third year. Even if Jalen Gill right. has a great spring, then Jalen Gill and Jackson Smith-Najibba right. is your yeah. two-man H-back rotation. Like, you have no, at the moment, you have no sure things at H-back. Well, and, but let's, looking deeper into what Ryan Day said too, though, he said once CJ Saunders went down. So that's, I mean, we've all been kind of blunt with our assessment of where we think CJ Saunders was, that he was not someone who was going to at least take a lot of reps away from KJ Hill. But Ryan Day was saying that he was still at a level above all those other, I guess there weren't a lot of other guys, but so I'm saying he's even someone who, if he is around, could be on the, in that depth chart mix somewhere. Yeah, I, I just again, there's some number crunching going on. Yeah. Martinez puts him at what? Is he at 89? 88, 88. They're at 88. Yeah. So I mean, that's their three. I don't know for sure that CJ Saunders. I mean, CJ Saunders is asking for the sixth year, but there's one thing for the NCAA to give it. There's another for like Ohio State to agree to it. I don't know if he's going to be on scholarship. I I think it's hard to count on CJ Saunders at the moment. But again, I mean, that I think if Jalen Gill has a great spring and Jackson Smith and the Jigba is ready, then they're set at H in 2020. Mm-hmm. If both those things don't happen, if only one of them happens or neither of them happens, then you have a lot of questions at a really important position for this offense. Um, all right. The second thing is Cam Martinez. So Nathan, where where are we with Cam Martinez, who was not one of the players we talked to today, but again, was the one guy who actually signed his letter for Ohio State on Wednesday? Well, some people did talk to Cam Martinez today, people up in Michigan at his signing. Um, so, I wrote a piece that's on Cleveland.com kind of talking about Ryan Day was asked because he volunteered early on in, in, in his comments today. But he's a guy we're going to try him on both sides of the ball. He's going to come in and, and, and get some time on both sides. We're still trying to figure out where he is because he was mostly a quarterback in high school. He is not a college quarterback, or at least not in this offense. So at this level. So where do you fit him? Because he doesn't really have a lot of experience at any other position. Someone asked, I think the natural follow up was, could he possibly be a running back? You look at his frame. You look at his experience. He ran for 2,000 yards and 30 touchdowns as a quarterback senior year. And Ryan Day said, yeah, I mean, it's it's possible. He That could be something we look at. I think it's one of those kind of all things are possible at this point. And even talking to Kerry Combs after that, uh, he said, well, I'm not. I'm going to fight for him. I want him to be a defensive back. I think he'd be a good defensive back. But if Ryan Day says he's better for us on offense, then I, that's good for us too. I like it when our offense scores points. But when um, – Cam Martinez himself was asked about it. He said, I'm going to be a DB and a return guy. He said, I, I, I believe in what Kerry Combs is and what he can do for me, which is, I thought that was an interesting statement that he's probably talked to Kerry Combs like twice or three times, whatever he's allowed to have talked to him at this point in that short amount of time. Enough of an impact was made in that relationship that he's already saying, that's where I think I'm going to be. But he's saying that on the same day that Ryan Day is going up in front of reporters and saying, well, maybe he's a slot guy. Who knows? Like he said, he's going to be at H-back, and Kerry Combs said he's going to start at outside corner, so or at least begin his, his defensive time at outside corner. So 
there are, it seems to be that there are a lot of options on the table still for Cam Martinez. Kerry Combs is persuasive. Yeah. Well, and if I will say this, if, if there was any doubt in Cam Martinez's mind, it, I, and I haven't talked to Cam Martinez, but if there was doubt about like, well, maybe I want to look and see, maybe I really want to play offense. I want to go somewhere where they will commit to me on offense, which Ohio State's not doing. They're giving him the option to kind of try both. Maybe that was Kerry Combs' job to go in and say, I see you as another guy who could be a high NFL or you could be an NFL draft pick someday as a defensive back. Yeah. And I, I will say the one thing. I mean, I don't think – I think Ryan Day was asked directly about him being a running back. You see a lot of these guys moving around. Almost – if you don't play running back, if you're a running back, you're a running back. Yeah. Nobody becomes a running like back. The, and the, that's, the build and everything that has to And just the vision and being yeah. used yeah. to finding holes even when and you're like, waiting out blocks. Even when you're, like, listed as an all-purpose back like Ezekiel Elliott and J.K. Dobbins were, like, they were clearly running backs. But yeah, doesn't that, a lot of that stuff is Dickleberry stuff. Like the recruiting guys don't know how to list people. But. <laughs> but if you're a quarterback, if the guy's been a quarterback, a running quarterback in high school, I would think that the transition to running back. But, but, yeah, name, but, that's but like, name one who's become a running back. Like they don't become running backs; they become slot guys. Yeah, H backs. They become. They don't become twenty carry a game between right. the tackle running backs. Which when we're talking about running back, right. that's what we're talking about. Right. That's what Ohio State needs. Yeah. And like they need, you need to go get a guy who's been a running back his whole life to do that. That's just how it works. Um, all right, that covers that. Let's take a real quick break, and we're going to get into some of this Luke Fickle, Kerry Combs talk, and then more of your questions. Thanks to you guys for listening to Buckeye Talk. All right, back on Buckeye Talk. There's like a lot of questions about this, so I'm going to ask you guys to start the discussion. Very two very quick blunt. Yes and no questions. The first one is, if Luke Fickle is offered the Michigan State job, should he take it? Luke Fickle, the current Cincinnati head coach. Mark D'Antonio quit this week after pocketing a $4.3 million bonus. And it was a celebration of his career. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's, it's funny how things change. And, and, and we don't need to spend a lot of time on D'Antonio, but like that guy just sort of had like a way about him. He was like the ultimate underdog. I always said he was like trestle with an edge. He recruited these three stars out of Ohio and he developed them, but he wasn't afraid to run a trick play. And he had this great reputation and he really kind of junked it up the last four years. With some of this NCAA stuff that's being there, the accusations of some potential NCAA violations, which came out like right before he quit, not mm -hmm. coincidentally, the Michigan State Athletic Department in general is a mess with a lot of stuff. Um, and then they didn't win as much. They didn't win as much. They had a really bad year four years ago. Then they had a 10 win season, seven and six the past two years. Like he's going out on a low note. Like there was a, yeah. when Mark D'Antonio beat Ohio State in Ohio Stadium in 2015 and ruined the mini dynasty of Ohio State yeah. and wound up in the playoff that year, that was unbelievable. They get whacked by Bama and it's been like a downhill slide ever since. They peaked that night in Ohio Stadium. But the Mark D'Antonio that everyone sort of thinks about, who was the thorn in Urban Meyer's side, he was 3-4 and four against Ohio State in his first seven years at Michigan State, and then he lost the last four. <clears throat> he's, he's just not – he wasn't in a lot of ways. I think actually there – I think part of my theory is that when they made that run and became a playoff team, all of a sudden you can go for some bigger recruits mm – -hmm. You're no longer the scrappy three-star school. If you don't get them. And all of, well, and then you get some, 
Yeah, I think that was he the made some. Of the, he got some guys who were a little maybe iffy on some other things. Yeah, it was and a all of a problem. sudden you lose the culture. You become a thing. You succeed based on something, and your success gives you the opportunity to change. And what you think is be better, and then you lose your soul. And I think that is what we saw at Michigan State the last three, four years. Yeah, and I think he's been upfront about that. He said that you know they went and got some guys and 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 landed some big prospects and they weren't the right fit that right. wasn't those weren't guys who should have been in that locker room which is which is funny i mean i think jim tressel and urban meyer in different ways jim tressel at ohio state urban meyer at florida reached for some guys who had some off-field things because they were trying to build something right i mean tressel you you get some guys early because you've got to win if you don't win right away you're dead anyway so maybe you take some risks then once you establish it then you can get pickier right it was weird. It's like D'Antonio established what he was and then took the risks and yeah. then kind of lost his way. He made a lot of – I mean, you look at the three-star running backs out of Ohio that he got. Le'Veon Bell, yeah. unbelievable. What you do with guys like that and then all of a sudden you're trying yeah. to be something you're not. But should Luke Fickle, if Michigan State offers it and every national reporter that you see, and I will say Luke Fickle, when he was at Ohio State – and wanted to be a head coach, came to me and said, like, hey, I'd like to do a story. Can we do a story about how I want to be a head coach? I'd like to get my name out there. It's like, hey, can you be like the local guy who sort of does this with me? And I went to his house, and I sat in his house with his wife, and we discussed this whole big thing, and it was a good story, and I have no freaking sources on this now. (laughs) He used me, and he kicked me to the curb. I don't have any inside information on this. He got the Cincinnati job like six days after I wrote that story. What did I get out of it, Luke? Should he take the Michigan State job? I would say, uh, hesitantly, I would say yes. Steven? No. I just, you brought up this point. I'm not trying to steal your point, but it's something I was thinking of, too, because when this discussion was happening last night, I just overheard you jib-jabbing with guys today. A lot of jibber-jabber. A lot of jibber-jabber. We're like kind of little, just we get in the room together. So in circle. Little jibber Bunch of chatty Cathy's. We, uh, what what job is he waiting for if he doesn't take this job? Like, if, if he doesn't take the Michigan State job, which would, I would assume, add a couple million dollars probably to his salary, et cetera, et cetera, then what job are you really waiting for? Is he, are we all convinced that Ryan Day is going to be here for 20 years? No, but th- that's what I'm saying. That I'm not saying that there are no jobs, but I'm saying that there are very, very few jobs that you're waiting for. I, 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 the, 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 the question to me is not, are you convinced that Ryan Day is going to be here for 20 years? I think, are you convinced that he's not going to be here for 20 years? Because it's not about, are you sure he's going to be there? It's like, yeah. are you sure he's going to leave? Luke is 46. Luke is like seven days older than me. He's 46. Even like someone like Matt Campbell, who is another name that's been thrown out there. I think Matt Campbell has said, like, I'm not taking it. Yeah. Matt Campbell's 40. Let me tell you what happens when you get to be 46. You go to therapy. <laughs> You start doing yoga. You reevaluate your life. You become a rapper. <laughs> you think about getting a job at Best Buy. So this is the, like, I I just, to me, even if your ultimate goal is Ohio State, I mean, you can't, you can't stay. In, I don't think you can stay in place to wait out Ryan Day. No. And taking the Michigan State job doesn't preclude you. From them, it might it might enhance your chances of replacing Ryan Day if Ryan Day leaves six years from now. Yeah, because you never know. I mean, 
well, yeah, th- three years from now, Ryan Day gets a job to go, you know, he gets picked to go succeed Bill Belichick, whatever. And now the job is open. Who's to say that another Urban Meyer situation doesn't unfold where there's just a, 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 a candidate that Ohio State can't turn down, something like that? I mean, they may not be going down to the level of Cincinnati to find their next coach. Urban Meyer, I mean, Urban was also from Ohio, and that like that whole oh, what like, I'm saying, that scenario existed, had the uh, as well existed along with the fact that it, yes, it is Ohio State, and like they can go out there and handpick their whatever coach they. I'm want just to saying get. some other some other dream candidate. I don't but know let's, who let's, that would be. I mean, but but here's the thing. I would my thing. So here's the second part of this. If Michigan State, if Mark D'Antonio was retiring after a nine and three year, and there was nothing wrong with the athletic the, yes. department, okay. So you think the athletic department is in enough disarray that that makes it don't take Michigan State? I think yeah. I Why? Think what do you? How long do you think it's going to take to like get it together? See, that's it, it, they're not going to get the death penalty. Well, no. I mean, the but, Nasser stuff and all the stuff that's sort of hanging over Michigan State as a whole is not is not directly football related. Is it going to be worse than when the than when the post trestle? Turnover at Ohio State. Yeah, that's the yeah. I mean, I don't think it's. I don't think what they're alleging at Michigan State is going to be worse than that. No, I mean they might. I mean, I think they might end up with maybe a bowl ban for a year and maybe a couple scholarship productions yeah, for a couple. I, of years. Think a bowl, like, I think not, a bowl ban would but be. But he's also more not urban. Where like he can just like flip that around as quickly as he got like hammered down I, on them. Like but that. what are you afraid of? What if? Okay, so you say you would say Luke Fickle don't take the Michigan State job if Luke Fickle said why. What should I be afraid of? What's the worst case scenario? What would you say? I mean, th- does his coaching career recover from if that doesn't turn? If he goes there and he can't turn it around, yeah, it does. Does it? Oh, but, yeah, but, but, but turn it around from what? Like if like if, if oh, I'm saying in a scenario where his ultimate goal is to be Ohio State, if that's the like the well, the ultimate prize here is Ohio State's goal, I don't know if he can go there and not turn that around and still think that. But, that's a but turn around thing. from what? They went seven and six the last couple of years, yeah. and they've got some stuff. Do you think? Michigan State is headed into the crapper. That was a point I made. I wrote up a little thing last night, just a, one of our Buckeye takes. And my point was, I definitely raised this question at the end of it. Like, hey, maybe maybe this isn't the right time for, for someone to, like, fickle to go there. Whoever goes there, it's not going to be a turnaround to 11 wins again, which I think D'Antonio had, like, five five out of six years had, had 11 wins. I mean, they were really successful for not that long ago. But my the other point I made was that uh, – um, it, I don't want to say it. It, I, I I agree with what you're saying, and I think that somebody who comes in can also say, yes, there's a culture problem there, but you can kind of make that the staple of how you're coming in to say, like, you know, I'm here to change the culture. That's our first priority, and winning will come the second. Word culture is the most overused word when coaches get hired. I'm here to change the culture. Of course you are. That's what you're you're doing here. You're creating your own culture here. That doesn't mean it's going to stick and it's going to work. We've seen that. We've seen it both ways. Where yeah, it's, it's it's worked in their favor, but we've seen it where it hasn't worked in their favor, and your know, careers can kind of go down the drain because of it. All right. So if you're Luke Fickle and you tell him not to take Michigan State, what are you taking? All right, that's not fair. I made yeah, a list. Yeah. Okay, here's a couple. Of, here's <laughs> that's a couple what I would say because there aren't that many. Jobs. I could not disagree with the. I could not disagree more of don't take it. I think he has to take it. Mark D'Antonio was at Cincinnati for three years. He went eighteen and seventeen. Took the Michigan State job. Brian Kelly was at Cincinnati for three years. Went thirty-four and six. Took the Notre Dame job. Butch Jones was at Cincinnati for three years. Went twenty-three and fourteen. 
took the Tennessee job. Luke Fickle has been at Cincinnati for three years, is 19 and 11. This is when you go. I know he has a good recruiting class coming into Cincinnati. This is why you go to the American Conference, to get a good Power 5 job. Mike Norvell went to Memphis to get the Florida State job. Tom Herman went to Houston to get the Texas job. Cincinnati is not an end goal. Cincinnati is a step to get what you really want to get. There are 65 power conference head coaching jobs. I think like 40 of them Luke Fickle would not be interested in because he's a Midwest guy. He's never been anywhere but the Midwest. I don't think he wants to go be the head coach at Oklahoma State or Arkansas or Arizona State or South Carolina or places like that. Like, Would he turn it down if there was nothing else? No, but I think he'd take Michigan State, even like Michigan State in a less than ideal position, a thousand times out of a thousand over those places. These are the places that I thought culturally could fit for Luke Fickle quickly of the Power Five. Syracuse, Louisville, Pitt, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska, Northwestern, Tennessee, Kentucky, Missouri, and then separately I have Penn State, Michigan, and Notre Dame. Penn State, Michigan, and Notre Dame were like in another class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are they going to hire Luke Fickle? Like, if look, when the Penn State, Michigan, and Notre Dame jobs come open, there are going to be a raft of awesome coaches yeah. who want those jobs. Luke Fickle right now is the number one candidate at Michigan State. He might have a chance at those jobs. Again, Brian Kelly went from Cincinnati to Notre Dame. Luke Fickle would not be the obvious number one candidate at Penn State, Michigan, or Notre Dame. So then when you look at Syracuse, Louisville, Pitt, Virginia Tech, all these schools I mentioned, one of those schools are better than Michigan State. Well, yeah, and I think what of those schools is potentially a better fit for Luke Fickle than Michigan State. I mean, maybe I suppose something like a West Virginia, something else that is bordering Ohio, you could see the point, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you make those recruiting inroads, whatever. But Michigan State just seems like, maybe it's only because we've been talking about it for two years, about when D'Antonio leaves Fickle seems like the obvious, or other people have been talking about it, not so much me. I wasn't here. But you, you know what I'm saying? You are wearing like, green, though. I am wearing green today. Green and Michigan blue. State green. Kind of. Do you want the Michigan? Are you a candidate for the Michigan State job? Did you interview for the Michigan State job before you came into the Woody today? No comment. Wow. Steven, can you get that post up? I will. (laughs) Um, I just think it's, I mean, it's like, it's obvious because everybody's saying it. But then I feel like some people are like kind of backing off the obvious because it's obvious. Because is it taking, I mean, is it so obvious that it's like, not though. So 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 when I read that list, right? Because I didn't yeah. like I didn't put Illinois and Rutgers yeah. and Maryland and Indiana on there because those jobs aren't as good as Michigan State. Yeah. Even even screwed up Michigan State. I mean, do, do you? I mean, Pat Mar. If if Fickle is not the Michigan State coach, it's probably going to be Pat Narduzzi who's at Pitt. Is Luke going to take the Pitt job when Narduzzi goes to Michigan State and like that's better for him? Luke Fickle turns down Michigan State so Narduzzi can take it, so Luke can go to Pitt at Michigan State. Here's the other part of this. We're not going to, we don't know for sure. Would being in the same division as Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State scare you off? D'Antonio made some progress in that window before Harbaugh got there when Michigan was bottoming out, sort of in like the Bill O'Brien, James Franklin transition. But like Franklin's got it going at Penn State. Again, you're we all know the shortcomings you're of the Harbaugh. Wheel in that situation. So would you not take it then? And if you're not taking it again, you're taking Virginia Tech 
instead, so you can try to compete to win the ACC with Clemson? I, I don't you're know. You're taking West Virginia so you can compete with Texas Are and we, Oklahoma? You're the you're, you're the okay. I you're the fourth see, wheel in the Big Ten East, maybe, but you're, it's not like you're the. It's not like you're the un, seen, unmatched number one wheel a, in the in the. AAC but he's right gonna go to Michigan State. Michigan State recruit the exact same way he's gonna recruit at Cincinnati, except he's gonna have a lot less success as far as winning football games. So you would rather stay at Cincinnati than go to Michigan State if you're gonna do the exact same thing and for half the a, money? And look, yeah, okay, that's, that's, that's an, that is just an actual incorrect answer. <laughs> Nobody in the world is insane. gonna pass up a, a top twenty-five Power Five job to stay in the American. Nobody would do that. See, what? here's the way I look at it. Like I've always, I've always been the guy who has thought, whatever sport it was, I thought this when you know, when Brad Stevens was a Butler or whatever. Like you've already been to the national championship game twice at Butler, so why do you need to go to X school to prove that you're great? Like why not just make Butler the next Duke? I know I'm getting off, but what I'm trying to say here is like if Cincinnati were doing what Michigan State were doing a few years ago, if they were a top six team three years in a row, if they were getting into the college football playoff, you could make this argument that, like, well, why would you leave? You're already doing great things there. But Cincinnati, he's hit his ceiling as what Cincinnati can probably accomplish. Scott Frost won a fake national championship at Central Florida. And you know what he did? He went to Nebraska! I think it's what is interesting, though, is to think about, like, because you said you're not putting, like, schools like Illinois and, and Rutgers on the list. Um, I don't think I would equate both of those programs, yeah. actually. But uh, <laughs> but I see I understand what the point you're saying. And it, it's interesting to think about where does Michigan State really fall in the hierarchy of Big Ten jobs right now? Is Michigan State still a better job than Illinois? It's a, It's probably a better job than Illinois. I don't think it's a better job than Iowa. I'd rather be at Iowa. I don't know, man. So wait, are you saying would you just like, because it's in the West? It's in the you don't West, have to, it's a better chance. I think they're I think they're a similar stature of program. I guess I guess the arguments you would make is maybe you can recruit better to Lansing than you can to I would just, Cornfield. Like, I, to the, if you're going to make that, I would just say the the only thing that would be better is you're in the West and there's a better chance of you getting to the Big Ten championship. And, game. and the other thing that's different between Iowa and Michigan State is that. Iowa has a coach and Michigan State doesn't. Well, and we're just but, talking about, but but part theory. of it, but but okay, if Iowa's as good as Michigan State or a tiny bit better than Michigan State, well, I mean it's all in the same. But ranks, you're not right? waiting for Iowa. You're not you're, passing a Michigan State to wait for Iowa. You're waiting right. for what? Kirk Ferris right. might coach till he's ninety. You're right. He's well and then on what his he's way. done will hire his kid. Right. Which is what people do. Right. No, I agree. I, I think he'd have. To, I think he he has to take How this was job. How old is the We'll get to that. <laughs> Not only I think he has to take this job. I think it, 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 it's it. I've come around a little bit. At first, I was really skeptical because of some of the NCA stuff and things like that. But when you look at what you can accomplish there, uh, Big Ten East jobs are sought after. I mean, I think Michigan State is going to be a sought after job. Yeah, they'll get somebody good. I mean, again, it's you know Matt Rule went to Baylor when Baylor was in the dregs, and right. turned it around, went to the Big 12 championship game, went to a playoff bowl, and got an NFL coaching job out of it. You know, like, like <clears throat> people take, and sometimes you get, I mean, again, I'd rather have the Ryan Day job where Urban Meyer leaves you a fully formed national championship contender, but going somewhere where people are, like, looking for hope because stuff is screwed up, not a bad deal either. And well, they're going to give him some rope. They are not going right. to, if Luke Fickle goes five and seven for the first three years, they're not going to whack him. They're not. Well, I was just about to say, they always say it's better to follow the guy who follows the legend, but that's what you're kind of getting to do at Michigan State. If Mark D'Antonio had walked away after 2015, after that that run, that would have been a tough act to follow. 
Following him after 27 and 24 over the last four years? Yeah. That's Mark not D'Antonio. That... Yeah. Bad Mark D'Antonio already oh, followed good, good Mark, Mark D'Antonio. D'Antonio. Right. Yeah. That's They've a good been, point. I think that when I kind of uh, brain farted earlier, I was trying to think of the thing I had written, which was that Michigan State didn't collapse. Michigan State didn't just fall into no. some some dregs of, of – they're not a, a, they're not Rutgers. But they got ordinary really fast. They're very ordinary. They're just a 7 and – they're a 6 and 6 team that goes and beats somebody crappy in a bowl game or whatever. Big deal. Um, that, that's, so that's what you're following now. It's like, and I feel like that's not that, it's not that low of a floor. And, but you also don't have that far to go potentially to get back to a ceiling. I will say the other thing, and, and we have a lot of like kind of the same type of questions about this. So I'm not referencing specific questions right now, but someone made the point of like, Luke would never go to Michigan. Like they would never go coach in that state. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. And in the Ohio state, Michigan battle, Whose side is Michigan State on? Michigan State is on Ohio State's side. It's not not like he's going to Michigan. No, but also, he would take the Michigan job yesterday. Like, uh, you can pretend all this, whatever. That is a a top 10 job at a place that he knows, even from competing against him, and go ask every guy who's crossed the rivalry. I mean, money talks and tradition walks. Like, you know. But Michigan State is like Michigan State hates Michigan. The whole little brother, big brother stuff, they hate Michigan. Ohio State hates Michigan. Michigan State has been like a thorn in Ohio State's side, but it's almost like, ah, you little underdog. Hey, I can't believe it. It's like fighting your little brother, and every so often he gets a little hit in. I mean, well, you can't use the little brother phrase because that's the whole Michigan State-Michigan thing. But it's like like, fighting somebody that you're clearly bigger than and like they randomly get a hit in and it's like yeah and that I mean, they're a not bit. like but, like I don't think I mean Ohio State people respect Michigan State cuz Michigan State earned Ohio State's respect oh yeah, what yeah, they yeah. did in 13 and 15 but and I don't think they, 16, yeah. they don't hate they don't like despise Michigan State and I always remember and this isn't this is kind of a Harbaugh related thing but one of my most vivid memories was going to this uh, Detroit recruiting camp, and they just had all the coaches under their thumb. And they all the coaches, like the head coaches were there at this camp, and they made the head coaches do a press conference for some reason. Like, if you want to come hang out and watch these recruits, you've got to do a news conference. So it was Harbaugh, D'Antonio, and Urban. And I think it might have been Harbaugh's first year. And, like, when they walked out, Urban walked out with D'Antonio, and, like, Harbaugh walked by himself. <laughs> And it was like Urban and Harbaugh, or Urban and D'Antonio were like, what's the deal with this guy? And it's like, that's still, that was, but that's still how it is. I think when you have those three in a room, Ohio well, State and Michigan State walk out together and they say, what's the deal with this guy but, about Michigan? But I think there's some personal dynamics there about there each of those are, coaches that play into it more just But I still think it's true in general. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, that, the, there's probably something you said. And the other thing is, by the way, the interim head coach at uh, Michigan State right now, Mike Tressel, Jim Tressel's nephew. Right. I mean, yeah, we also don't know for sure what Luke Fickle's perspective Let me tell yeah, Luke Fickle's perspective is on the Ohio State job anymore. Because it isn't. See if he'll come on the pod. Luke, he, he had this. He, come on, You then. let me in your house, and now <laughs> I can never get a hold of you. Or are you taking Michigan State? <laughs> But your, your, your point is, I understand what you're trying to say about if that's his dream job, maybe. But 
it's really tough to wait around for a dream job, especially once he's already tasted that. Like he's had that experience a little oh, bit. Yeah. And I know that, yeah, that it's was... Urban Meyer. It's, it's the, the circumstances at the time. It was that point in his career, whatever way it didn't make sense for him maybe to, to stay, but he, he, he already kind of had the opportunity and they passed on keeping him on around full time. Yeah. He may not be. So I think he has a different perspective now, probably on how, what he can do as far as getting that job. Not yeah. that he couldn't ever get it, but like, are you going to rearrange your life and pass up other really good opportunities to wait for that? No, he'd take it again yesterday if they offered it to him, but I, right. I don't think you can wait around for it. Okay. Second part of the question is if Luke Fickle leaves for Michigan state, which he will, would Kerry Combs take the Cincinnati job if offered? So can we talk? I mean, he was asked today. Do we want to answer? Yeah, to answer it. You talk about that. Ari asked him, Okay. Right? So, yeah, he was asked today. Well, it was a couple different points of the thing. He was asked, you know, Ari um, Waterface or whatever we, whatever they call him on the uh, the, the CFP selection committee oh, yeah. uh, call-in uh, show each week. Um was asked him, started, you know, tried to get him to answer like, hey, so you know what's going on in Michigan State? What? And, and, um, Kerry Combs kind of shut it down pretty quickly. Said, first of all, I'm not in the mix for anything. So I'm just basically trying to say like, well, that hasn't happened and nobody's contacted me. And he went into a longer answer about how he hasn't applied for a job since 1991 and it's all been so, but then, so later he was asked, you know, Ryan said he hopes you're here for a long time, that he's been trying to build continuity with the staff. Um, is it your aspiration to stay here as long as you can or, or for, for several years? And Combs' answer was, my aspiration would be to be the best coach I can be tomorrow, which was a, an admirable answer, I guess, in some ways, but also a very noncommittal answer as far as a question Not like a this. guarantee. It's right. not a, I'm not going anywhere. Right. Which... Which also is not a guarantee because we can run down the list of coaches who have said, I'm not going anywhere, yeah. and then went somewhere, including Fat Literally Bottom. within days after um, saying they weren't right. going anywhere. So, but also, okay, so that's what he said. So what do we think? Would he take it if offered? I think, and then we'll get into whether it might be offered. I think he would and probably should take it if he were offered. I think he would take it. Yeah, I think he would too. And I think the fact that he left for the Titans yeah. shows you, and it's kind of what I wrote. There's a, a column up now about Kerry. Um, I think we can take like loyal people for granted sometimes. And it's like, and I do think, and I've, I had at least one conversation along the way with him. And I think it was actually the conversation at the same recruiting camp in Detroit. Um, so, he has white hair and it makes you think he's old and he's not that old. He's 58. He's not 66. He's just he's, he's like a couple years older than Urban. Yeah, 58 is relatively young when it comes to head coaches. So, like, I think that he has at times bristled about the idea of, like, oh, you've, you're probably one of these, like, lifetime assistant guys. You're just happy to, you know, because he was a high school coach and he has white hair. And I think it leads you down a road to think of, like, well, he's sort of lucky to be where he is. He doesn't have any aspirations. He's the guy at Ohio State who yells at everybody and is, a, and like that's not true, as shown by the fact that he bailed and went to the NFL for two years, and now that he's back, he came back for more than double the salary, he, and he's in charge. And he kind of talked about like, uh, I mean, this, this may be me reading into it too much, but the fact that like him talking about how like the Titans were going to win a Super Bowl, and when they do, like that's kind of like really hurt because I'm he's not there anymore. Like yeah. There, like there is a part of like obviously he wanted to come back to Ohio State, but it's like that's an ambitious thing. They're like, like you decided to leave on your own, and yet you're still thinking about the fact that you might have just missed out on an opportunity to be 
an assistant coach on a Super Bowl winning team. I think it would be an offer he can't refuse. I think mm-hmm. it would be like the one thing that would make him leave Ohio State after a month. Yeah, and I what is was that he is since he's Ohio to the core, but he is Cincinnati right. in his blood. Well, and I, I'm not to be crass, but it's also we we looked up the numbers. Like Fickle makes about two point three right now. Reports we haven't seen the actual figures yet on Combsby's reportedly going to be making about one point three here. So a million dollars potentially more that they would be offering him. Yeah, a million dollars, and it's going to be over four or five years, and it's pretty much guaranteed. So you're talking about are you going to turn down five million dollars at age fifty eight? I don't know. And, I don't and, think and you it's can these do opportunities it. that come by. If you, if you say now, well, I can't take it. I just got here. I can't take it. What if the next guy stays for 10 years? Right. That's the other now thing. Now you're I... 68 and you passed up the chance. So, I, I mean, I said this on the text and I think I freaked some people out. I think he would take it. And I don't know that anybody could blame him. I don't even think Ryan Day would be mad at no. him. No. I, I mean, isn't kind of similar to what we're talking about with Luke Fickle, isn't Cincinnati like the best possible head coaching fit? Maybe in like as far as what potential head coaching fits there are for Kerry Combs in his life. I think that's five the five years from now. Fit isn't that like And I think he would retire there. Yeah. 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 L- 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 Kerry Combs would not be trying to turn Cincinnati no, into the Michigan State like, job. No. Yeah. He would go home. I think that's the pinnacle for Kerry Combs. Like go there, continue the success they're having being a be there roughly for about 10 years and top twenty five caliber program. Leave after ten years. It's a you're considered a yeah. great success. Maybe take your one shot in there to get into the top eight and and you know make that. And at worst, you leave after five. ten years. You try to go to the NFL one more time, and then you're done coaching for the rest of your career. So right? here's it's the not. question: Is if Luke leaves, would Kerry be the number one candidate? I know Ralph Russo from the AP, who's a great national guy, and other people texters have suggested no. They would hire Marcus Marcus Freeman, the former Ohio State linebacker who has been. Luke's guy. That is Luke's guy. He was Luke's guy when he played for him, and he has been on Luke's hip um, since Luke became a head coach. Um, I know Luke would would desperately want him to go to the next stop to be the defensive coordinator. Marcus is really young. Yeah, he's really young, and you just don't know. And like Carrie is so. Like, Kerry would win, and not that winning the press conference is the most important thing, but it's a kind of a weird time of year. It puts you in the lurch a little bit, you know, all this stuff. Um, Kerry would flip momentum immediately for Cincinnati. Like, oh, my gosh, here it is. It's February, and we just lost our head coach. And he'll be there. And like Kerry would swoop in yeah. and, and heal every wound immediately. I would have to think Cincinnati – I don't think they would just be like, oh, Luke's gone. It's Marcus. I think they would have to at least talk to Kerry. Kerry was mm-hmm. just in the NFL with a team that went to the AFC Championship game. I think they would have to talk to him. He is a legend down there, yeah. man. Yeah. He is a legend. He's coached there before. Um, and I think you would have to think about it. And so I, I don't want to freak out Ohio State fans. And this is the kind of stuff that's not fair to do with amateur players. But, dude, with the millionaire coaches, we can speculate about their futures. That's part of the deal. So I just think, like, the domino – Possibility, I think, absolutely exists sure. as a possibility. Because yeah. my bet would be, my bet is Luke is the next coach at Michigan State. So if you're assuming that, I think Kerry at least gets a call, and I think he at least has to think about it. Now, and here's the other way. To, the next question, though, how much does that really hurt Ohio State if that happens? So here's, and I wrote this in my thing today, and people who listen to this podcast know my thoughts on assistant coaches. Yeah. 
I think to a great degree, Carrie is an exception to my rule, to the replaceable coach thing. I think Carrie proved in some ways that he wasn't replaceable when he left. When they got Tabor Johnson to replace him and Alex Grinch came in and they, that didn't, that wasn't great. Now, Halfley was really good last year. Halfley proves the rule. Halfley was awesome. He was only here a year and like they got a better guy. But the guy they got was the guy who was already here. It's not so, like he had to go down his role today. It's so unique. Yeah. And I'm saying that you could, Ohio State can still probably go get, especially if it's going to pay them over a million dollars, can go get the next defensive coordinator it wants or co-defensive coordinator, how you want to look at it, and not be hurt that much because they'll have him in place before spring ball probably. But I think, like, this is as close as it gets to, like, when when he's going to have to replace Larry Johnson. Like, Kerry is so, nobody has Kerry's resume. Like, yeah. a million people had Jeff Halfley's resume. A million people had Alex Grinch's resume. What Kerry had proven at Ohio State already, as a recruiter and as a developer of talent, he's a known quantity who then went and got NFL experience. I mean, there's nobody like him. He was the slam dunk. Once he was interested, he was the slam dunk number one mm-hmm. choice. And actually, right now, again, putting you guys on the spot, right now, if you said you can have either Jeff Halfley or Kerry Combs, who would you rather have? Oh, I think you would probably take Combs Thank because I think other than a scenario like the Cincinnati job, you're also bringing some stability and some familiarity to this. But also, yes, Jeff Halfley did was great last year, but Kerry Combs has done that exact same thing like multiple years in a row. Now, he's never been a coordinator. And he recruited those I guys. mean, Halfley yeah. was running the defense. But Kerry's never run a defense. But simply right. just like, like we're just going to talk about the position room that they control. Which, which we're not. I mean, that's the oh, thing yeah. about this. This is very different. Yeah. But, yes, I mean. From that standpoint. The the guys in Jeff's room loved him. Yeah, but a lot of those guys loved Kerry so much that they committed to come here. Uh, Kerry is rare. I think he's one of the most impactful assistants that I've seen in my time here. And the fact of him coming back, again, nobody has his resume. So Halfley, Kerry in round one should have been replaceable, right? Kerry's great here. But you should be able to replace him. They brought Taver Johnson back, who had been here before. Mm-hmm. Wasn't great. Was okay. Wasn't great. Halfley then replaces Kerry Combs. And you live. You're alive. You lived to survive it, right? So Kerry Combs, the first time around, was replaceable. Halfley was replaceable. Kerry Combs, what he is now, Might not be a- second time around, now this, all the things that he's bringing back, is not replaceable. You can't. You would wind up with random NFL assist, assistant X, which is what Jeff Halfley was, who might be very good, but would not be able to give you everything that Kerry's going to give you as a recruiter, as a leader, as a, a guy, an inspirational guy, as a developer of talent. I think there's reasonable to have questions about him running the defense and calling the defense. He's never done that before. Right. There are some questions about that. The rest of it we've already seen. So Kerry, this version of Kerry is the exception to my rule. So, again, in the list of freaking people out who are listening to this podcast, I will say, I think Luke will take the Michigan State job. I think Cincinnati will call Kerry, and I think Kerry is irreplaceable. Anyway, <laughs> like, not to be, but like, that's the spot that they could be in. Like, if, so like, I think, I guess I think this. I think Luke, if I had to put, I think it's a 70% chance that Luke takes the Michigan State job. Do I think there's a 70% chance that Kerry Combs leaves Ohio State? No. I think that is significantly less because 
Maybe he says, I can't leave this quickly. Right. He's a loyal guy. I can't do that to them. Maybe they say, we like Kerry. We also like Marcus. We also like this guy. We also like whatever. Right. So there's a couple other things in play. There's a Cincinnati graduate out there in the world who's currently unemployed. Will Urban Meyer succeed Luke Fickle <laughs> at Cincinnati? Somebody suggested that awesome Luke nice. replaces D'Antonio, Kerry goes to Cincinnati, and D'Antonio replaces Kerry as the defensive coordinator at Ohio State. And we complete the triangle that <laughs> they way. Just keep, they, just, no, they just keep going around. Ryan, I know you're focused on your recruiting class. You have a lot going on. But if Kerry replaces Luke because Luke replaces Mark, would you hire Mark to replace Kerry? So, I, like, I don't want to be... I was going to say I don't want to be irresponsible, but my, my point is I'm completely comfortable being irresponsible about this because there's guys making millions of dollars, and this is part of the deal. But I think as a fan, you shouldn't like not be able to sleep tonight because of this. But I think you could have it in your head. Sure. I don't, I don't think you should be like blindsided if it happens. Right. Is that fair? No, absolutely. I think it just makes too much sense from all angles. All right, so that's like 30 questions. I'll, I'll maybe get some specific questions about this topic if they're, they still make sense. Um, Jared D., do you think Combs would really leave Ohio State after not really coaching a single practice from the 937? Again, it's like a lot of this stuff, you have to think about stuff with, with their family. Let's talk about this a tiny little bit from the 813. Who's the next coach on staff to leave for a head coaching job? Let's say Kerry doesn't take the Cincinnati job like tomorrow. Kerry, Col- Kerry Combs coaches – Kerry Combs coaches the Buckeyes in 2020. So then the 10 assistants on the staff in 2020, who's the next head coach? Oh, Washington. <coughs> I was going to say either Washington or, or Tony Offord. I think it might depend on if, if they have some kind of a connection to that. We saw that with Colorado State where Tony Offord's name got mentioned in yeah. there. We saw with Boston College where Al Washington's name got mentioned there. Now both of those just made other hires. So maybe that doesn't make a lot of sense, but – Something like that. Something where a guy like that who has a connection somewhere, that's where it makes sense to me. I say Corey Dennis. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I think I think that's good because I think like both those guys, they would well, actually, require... Well, no, actually, I change my answer. Kevin it's Wilson. Kevin Wilson. Yeah. Oh, actually, but he would leave. No, no, no. Like, I feel like we got to put him in at least. He'll leave. No, it's, it's Kevin it. Wilson. It's, Kevin Wilson is the guaranteed one. If it, like if somebody offers him a job, he takes it. But for the sake of like having a, a better discussion about this, like Al Washington. Yeah, it's interesting because like I think like Al offered a good name. Al's young enough that I think I mean I don't. Would he Al, can build. He can climb the ladder a little. Would bit. Would Al take a Mac job? It's always a question of Ohio State assistance. Has reached the point with what Ohio State pays and the big time programs pay and what the Mac pays head coaches. You don't take Mac. Luke wasn't ever going to take a Mac job. Yeah. Luke could have taken a Mac job five years before he took Cincinnati. Um, I well, thought Kerry Combs might wind up in a Mac job, and instead he went to the NFL and he's Ohio State's defensive coordinator. Kerry Combs is never taking a Mac job. If you're in a spot like Al Washington and you consider a Mac job, then then you go to the top of that list because yeah. there are Mac schools who fire coaches every year who would love to get an Ohio State assistant. Well, I also think that both of those guys, too, could be in a scenario, a Mike Yurcich-like scenario, where somebody will pay you enough to be a coordinator that you can't say no. And that could be your next step up to go to another pretty high up yeah. program, a top 20 kind of program and, and coordinate as the next step to then being a head coach beyond that. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's a lot of uh, uh, all you guys who asked questions about Fickle and Combs. I read them. They're really good questions. I think we covered kind of every aspect in that. We don't want to make this a Luke Fickle, Kerry Combs podcast any more than we already have. So let's deal with a couple other questions that are sort of dancing around some of the other things happening now. Now, from the 740, and I actually had a conversation about this today that I can contribute a little bit. From the 740, can you rank the five 
best recruiters on the Ohio State staff. So we'll take Ryan Day out of it because always your head coach has to be a great recruiter. And you find if you have high-profile programs that are in trouble, a lot of times it's because your head coach is not a great recruiter. Because if your head coach is not a great recruiter, he doesn't demand great recruiting from assistants. He doesn't know how to close guys when they get on campus. Let's think about who we think. Do we need to write down who the assistants are before we do this? Matt Barnes is an assistant. Kerry Combs is an assistant. Al Washington. Larry Johnson. Kevin Wilson. Wait, who's the other? Greg Madison. Greg Madison. I forgot him. Kevin Wilson. Brian Hartline. Tony Alford. Corey Dennis. Dennis. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And... uh, and Greg Sudrawa. Yeah. We're talking about just the assistants, right? So Ryan Day is not in this mix. Ryan Day is not in the mix. So let's I mean, say well just rank them in, in general. Then who we? I don't know if we have to rank one like, through ten. We'll be like the Big Ten. We don't want to put someone last, so we'll only do the top five. Um, let's say who would be in our top five for sure is Hartline in the top five for yes. sure yes. as the national recruiter of the year. Is Kerry Combs in the top five yes. for sure? Yeah, yeah. Is Larry Johnson in the yes. top five yeah. for sure? And then it gets. Fun. Then I think it gets. Interesting because I think you could find guys who all have some hits and misses in there. I think Al is pretty good. I think Al, I think when they brought Al Washington in here. Um, he got in the room with some guys, even if they didn't necessarily land him. But it, he also did get some, like Mitchell Melton, you know, Court Wood, Like He also landed some. But the, the five-star, he got in the room with those guys. And I think one guy, he was like, they, he, it came down to like Georgia and Ohio State. Oh, right. And I think even what what the way you heard like Zach Harrison talk about Al Washington yeah. and the influence when he was at Michigan and trying to get him, I think Madison's in some ways can be like an underrated recruiter. I mean, I've heard people say he is a, he is a good recruiter. I think sometimes with older guys, it's like you kind of have a tendency to be like, well, how could they relate? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know. I think the top three are so obvious. And then, like, you can't rank Corey Dennis. He's never recruited. I would throw Stud just because like, what he did in his 2020 class was on my and, list. like, already getting a top 50 guy in 2021 and then another top 100 guy in 2020. Like, he's off to a solid start once again in that class. So, yeah, he had some off years. But, like, these last two classes, he, he's starting to I pick up like, some steam. I mean, you can go back and look like last four or five years. Don't they get, like, the number one ranked guy at one of those offensive line positions yeah. every year? He really had, I think, he had like a come-to-Jesus kind of class where it was like, this is not good enough. Yeah. And, like, he's rebounded from that. Um, I think that's reasonable. I think I think it's hard to put Tony Alford there right now based yeah. on the way running back ha- recruiting has gone. He's where Stud was a couple years ago. Where it's yeah. Like, Yo, what are and, we doing And, here? again, like, uh, Tony Alford in the past has shown some stuff, but mm-hmm. it's not great at the moment. I think, and, again, it's... When we're not 100 100%, 100%, none of us does recruiting specifically. It's not – you don't only recruit your position. It's it's not that simplified. Right. So you right. can't just look at, well, how are the linebackers? Right. That's Al Washington. Yeah. How are the corners? That's – it's yeah, not quite if, that yeah, simple. It's, like, it's more it's, like it's areas as well. Like, yeah, right. You know, like Hartline was in on Cameron Martinez for a little bit back when they were really trying to figure out what he was. So, yeah. But – I haven't heard much about Matt Barnes as a recruiter, so I don't think you can put him in there. I don't exactly know where Kevin Wilson is as a recruiter, but I feel like Kevin Wilson's greatest value to this staff is like he helps Ryan Day run the offense. Yeah. He's been a head coach before. Like You don't have to necessarily be a great recruiter when you're the tight ends coach, and Kevin Wilson brings so much other stuff here. Some of these other guys, I think, if you can't recruit, like you're not – 
you're not here. So I, I, I was, again, just sort of talking with people. The one thing I, I think we would be in agreement on the top three, and I think stud fourth probably is very, is very, yeah. fr- very reasonable. And then maybe Al fifth. Yeah. You know, and then I don't, again, some of the stuff we don't know exactly for sure. And I think this would be worth a story. And I don't know. I think we could get into it, actually. I think we could get coaches to talk about it on the record. But I was talking about it with some people and the idea that, like, guys are good at different things in recruiting. And, like, Brian Hartline apparently is, like, great on the texts. Mm -hmm. And Zach Smith was really good at that. That, like, the, hey, what's up, guy? Like, kind of shooting guys, little messages to, like, be cool, not be annoying, you want to stay he's in contact with these able, guys, yeah. but you, I mean, the idea of like the last thing you ever want to do, and you hear enough from recruits talking about this, right? Oh my God. Mackie Buke literally said that, like, when, like, it's as, as you start to lose interest, it seems like the schools you start to lose interest in seem to contact you more often than the schools that you're actually like still like in look of it. It can get, it can get annoying because you're, guys, you're sometimes still a 16 I, year old. Oh, and they're blowing up my phone. Yeah. Nobody, the 16 year olds don't want somebody on their phone every day. And there's <laughs> no quicker way to, to tick a guy off. Yeah. Then, then send them texts they don't want. Yeah. So if you can strike the right balance of frequent contact, but they like to get your text, like that can sound silly, maybe to a certain generation of fan. Like, it's huge. So I think, like, Brian Hartline's really good at that. I think Kerry Combs is really good, like, out in, in the world. Like, out on the scene, as he describes it, planting flags. I think when Kerry Combs comes to your house, like, it's on. I can see it. Like, I can definitely see that after that, that we, we did a video about our first impressions. I can definitely see where it's like, just get me in the room with the kid and it's it, we're good. I can't imagine, just from having met him once... Saying no to him. Well, I feel the same. Well, no, I, just to say, like, both him and Larry Johnson, I can't imagine them, and I'm kind of feeling this way about Heartline a little bit more, them having a conversation about Ohio State or football, and especially Ohio State football, and not just expressing such passion with, like, every syllable of those sentences that that doesn't resonate with guys. And I think you can just kind of tell it just maybe, and, and it seems genuine. That's the other thing. The D-line thing. say that, too. He's got, like, this grandfather type of effect. And what I heard like, is is that Larry really gets it done when they come to campus. Yeah. That and again, it's see. like you could like Larry Johnson like coming in and being like, "Hey, is that your? I like the I like the color of your sofa, or whatever." But like when you come to Larry Johnson's and you can office, see him work. Yeah. and he is like Yoda, and you are like in his presence, and he's talking to you about how he can make you a great. Defensive Isn't lineman. that how they got taste? Like he came for Friday Night Lights. He like and saw he's it working worked, with him, and he was just like, "Oh yeah, I'm here." Like he's doing I'm drills. watching the videos, and he's like, "I had no intention of coming today, but like you saw like exactly how this is gonna go, and that's how we kind of you, you." Larry Johnson in his world gets his hands on you, yeah, and that you're like, "I'm hooked." I saw it over the summer. Like obviously, Jackson had already committed. But, like, Jack Sawyer was literally, like, the training dummy. And every single drill that, like, defensive lineman would do, he's, Jack, you're with me. Jack, you're with me. It's like every single drill was, like, he was the example of that. You kind of saw, like, Jack kind of, he was already committed, but kind of, like, in his face, you saw, like, yeah, like, this is definitely, like, So it's interesting. I mean, I think the idea of, like, sort of how you recruit, you know, that I'm really good at this, but I'm not quite as good as this. So what does that mean? You mm-hmm. know, we know Larry Johnson went to Tyreek Smith's basketball game, and you have to go out on the road. Everybody has to go out on the road some. But again, they deploy these guys in different ways, and there's different strengths, and maybe they have heartline 
texts some of Larry Johnson's guys because Hartline's so good at it. But then maybe even if they have a receiver come in, maybe they send them in to see Larry Johnson when they're on campus because Larry Johnson has such a presence that he can make you want to be part of this even if he's not going to be your position coach. I would be the idea that, like, I'm good at recruiting. Well, there's 50 things that go into recruiting. What are you really good at? Just like for our jobs. There's writing. There's reporting. There's podcasting. There's doing all kinds of different things. Everybody has different strengths. And you want to be good at everything, but everybody has a specialty. So like that, that, you know, I've only been doing this for 15 years. I just necessarily hadn't thought of it like that. And we wrote a lot of stuff back in the day when Zach Smith was kind of the young guy in staff. It's like, hey, you're the cool guy. You can talk about rap music with the kids. And it's like, (laughs) it's not more, but it's about how... It's about the tools you you use to relate to guys and the, the situations where you do your best work, whether it's on text, whether it's out on a visit, whether it's in your office on their official visit. I think it's really interesting. And that'll be with Corey Dennis. Like now he's the young guy on the rock on the of the coaching staff. Like how does he kinda, you know what's his mark here? Like is he gonna be the young guy who can really relate because he's Eight years older than half of the, these kids who are coming in, and, and I'm really going to be interested. That's a great point. I would really, it would be really interesting to really talk with Corey Dennis about recruiting because a, they already have their quarterback for the next class. Yeah, Ryan Day locked Kyle McCord like how is he, a long yeah. time ago. Right. So what's Corey Dennis going to do? What is twenty? They don't like they've only offered I think three guys in 2022 so far, and that's where he's going to have to make his mark at. But but also he's probably freed up. I mean, Ryan Day was down doing work on Garrett Wilson. When he was the quarterback's coach. Yeah. How are they going to use Corey Dennis mm-hmm. to go out and recruit some other positions besides quarterback? Because they've got two and 20. they got the 21 already locked up. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's going to work on 22, but that's not a full-time job recruiting one quarterback in 22. Yeah. How else will they use him? Because maybe he can help fill in some gaps. Hey, Kevin Wilson's working on this guy, but why don't you help him with this? Because you were a different age bracket. Well, it's that, but it's also the other way you could look at it is if you really, really need a quarterback in 2022, he gets to be kind of hyper focused on that too. If, if, if you know what I mean, like, cause you also, I don't know what they're doing as far as some of the wide receiver recruiting numbers. You just brought in four guys this year. You've already got commitments for next year. It starts to get pretty thick at receiver, which would be a natural position maybe for him to also slide over in. So I, you know, there is only so much you can do right with each player because you're limited contacts, time, those sorts of things. But the the other thing, and that's and that hangs over the whole Corey Dennis thing, is that C.J. Stroud is talking about he almost dropped to his knees when Ryan Day texted him. Right, Ryan Day is the man with cachet among national quarterbacks. So, like. Corey Dennis is going to do a lot of the keeping up with the texts and whatever. But is but Ryan, Ryan Day going to have to come in and like put the exclamation point? On Ryan things, Day is going to Larry, close the quarter the way that Larry Johnson does with a lot of recruits at other positions. You know, like that. Like, of course, Ryan. So again, like Corey Dennis's load in quarterback recruiting because it's you're only getting one guy at that position because the head coach is an expertise at your thing. He really is going to be freed up to help in some other stuff. Mm-hmm. And how will they utilize him as the youngest guy who can talk about the rap music with the kids today? I would not be that guy on the staff. Mm. <laughs> I would not be. I, by the way, when you're the four minute discussion last week about like Nathan's like I like guitar rock and Nathan <laughs> that and Steven's like you thought I, I, guy. I was like oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay. it's okay I was like yeah uh, yeah okay. <laughs> although what, what you were like. I have listened to Kanye West before. <laughs> you I was like, said that okay. just like the father. <laughs> that Kanye didn't. Okay. Um, 
And see, like, I don't know the answer to this, so I'm not going to ask it. Um, for the podcast from the 415, that is the secret of the text messages. Sometimes I know someone like was like, I like the Nathan and Steven because they answer my questions. It's like sometimes there's too many questions to get to, and I yeah. just can't get to yours. Mm-hmm. And but sometimes, like you said before, 30 people ask the same questions. And so sometimes have... your question is so good that I know our answer is, man, I don't know. We probably <laughs> should know that, but we don't. Congratulations on your great great question we that we're going that. to ignore. <laughs> that does that is not good for us. That really that would make us really have to pay you to listen. Um, if you gave Ryan Day truth serum, would he admit to wanting Urban Meyer to go away? So I guess I guess you could take that as like would Urban Meyer like would he want Urban to retire so that he could become the head coach? But I don't think that's what he means. I think because the, of course the, the lore like, of Urban Meyer, the fact that he's still around in the Woody all the time. Around. It's like a year later and like he's still getting a question about can you do this the way Urban Meyer does it? I, I, I he'd get that question whether Urban Meyer was in Columbus or on. You Neptune. always get compared well, to right. your predecessors. It's, it's, it's just yeah. the lore of it. I, yeah, sure. Nobody wants to like be constantly you know. Bombarded with questions right. about the guy who was so great at their job that, like, but so you don't want him like, like for him to like come around and like watch practice and like be there. That like, hey, I had a question about this or whatever. Like, just they do. Oh. I think they have a real relationship. They're would, really friends. I truly, Urban is a mentor. I to think him. him work. I think the working in the Woody is like the one thing I think that because you can always come around whether he's working in the Woody or not. Like he's Urban Meyer. Like he can come to practice whenever. But the whole he's still in the building. He doesn't work in the Woody though. His office isn't in the Woody. No, it's not technically no. But like he spends a good amount of time. Like it's 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 like on any like especially during he the does? season. During the season, you can just see him randomly walking around the Woody. Yeah, I've walked into the Woody a couple like, times. I've walked into the Woody at the same time he's walking in sometimes. No, I know. But on a random Tuesday. I always feel like he's coming over like from his office. A lot to hang of times I think it's bit. the day of practice too. It's yeah, like that's you know, true. we're getting so um I don't know. I disagree. I think he would I don't think he would I think he likes I would, if I were him, I wouldn't mind having Urban Meyer. Here's the thing. It's one thing if a guy had to be pushed out, um, gently, or there was some kind of, you know, if he didn't leave under good circumstances, or if he was, it was a personality that people didn't like having around, but he's still just this, like, emeritus position that's looming. I think that would be problematic. And especially if you didn't already have a relationship with him. You know, Urban Meyer hired Ryan Day. Urban Meyer brought Ryan Day to Ohio State. One of the reasons Ryan Day is the head coach of Ohio State right now is because Urban Meyer brought him here and set him into this this momentum. So I I think that there are more positives, many more positives than negatives as far as his presence being around the program. There so. are, but you also, like, when you're trying to establish things for your own, and you can only do that but so much because a lot of the things that are still in place here were put in place by Urban Meyer. So, like, like Mark Pantone being here. Uh, McMurati being here, like a lot, like it's like there's still a lot that's still like because of Urban Meyer. So when you're trying to slowly like, yeah, Ryan Day didn't him. have to keep those guys; he chose to. So, so let me ask this: So, do you think right now, what percent of like Urban Meyerness do you think still hovers over this program, or that, or that, or do you honestly think that like Ryan Day doesn't is not getting as much credit for the program as he would as if. Urban had become the head coach somewhere else. I don't think it's a lot. I just think the pieces that are are extremely important to why this has been so successful. But the things that you're citing are people that Urban hired that Ryan kept that don't yeah. that they're not going to leave. No, and also so Ryan if, Day was one of the guys that Urban hired. So let's say that Urban let's say that Urban just like 
quit his job at Ohio State. Well, let's say that Urban went to the Dallas... Urban got an NFL everybody job. everybody with him? But let's say he didn't take everybody with him. Okay. That's one thing. It's like if he went to USC and took all his guys, and now yeah. it's like Urban oh, yeah. Meyer yeah. West, yeah. and now oh. Urban... That's one. But let's let's say Pantone and, and Mick and Ryan Stamper and all the Urban guys that are still here stay here, and Urban goes to the NFL, but nobody goes with him. Mm-hmm. How much different would Ryan Day's life be? Well, I think it depends. If if uh, if if they do what they did last year, if they keep on that trajectory, then I don't think it matters. I think then you, after a few years of that, you are now your own guy. You've proven yeah. yourself. I think if they slip, I'm using air quotes on slip to the 11 and one, 10 and two regular season, and Urban Meyer's going to a Super Bowl with the Dallas Cowboys, now it starts to become a thing where people start making that comparison. But it, let's be honest. I mean, yes, Urban Meyer is still around Ohio State, but he's also. Not around Ohio State, so it, it's both because in his capacity with Fox, he's going to other games around the country. He's he has a presence in college football that isn't necessarily looming behind Ryan Day's back. And then even if he weren't still employed by some way in some way by Ohio State right now and had the Fox job, what are there still like four, five, six times a year where Urban Meyer's coming to town or coming to whatever town you're about to play in to talk about your game and cover your game, whatever. So I don't know that there's any way to kind of completely get that presence. The only way that that presence is going to be there until Ryan Day wins his own national championship or or firmly establishes but the, himself. But it's still like we I, we I'm pretty sure you were the one like after the Penn State game like asking the question like Ryan you did this like and he's standing over there watching with it so it's it's still like like no one wants to constantly get asked about the guy who had the job before them. I don't like. I mean, he does a great job of answering those questions, but no, like, there's nobody on the planet who wants to consistently. But it's not because it's not because Urban Meyer still lives in Columbus. Do you think that's over, though? I think we're done. I mean, I know he got asked about it today, but I think it was a one-year thing. And I think, and I'll say this: when Jim Tressel redid the Woody Hayes Athletic Center Mm -hmm. and fundraised for that, and created sort of the modern thing they have now, whatever year it was, 2006 or so. Um, He was very proud of creating offices for Earl Bruce and John Cooper, the two coaches who preceded him at Ohio State. They were around the program. He gave them offices. If Jim Tressel had been going four and seven every year, I don't think he would have given them offices. But I think, and it's sort of what you said, when you are winning on your own, I think you're fine with other guys being around because you're like, I'm good. I'm getting it done. So I don't know. I thought it would be more of an issue than it turned out to be. Ryan Day and Urban Meyer from the get-go were like very confident in the idea of like, this is not going to be a big deal. I sort of thought thought it was a little bit weird. I think Ryan Day knows he took all the good from what Urban left, all the stuff you guys have mentioned. Urban set him up to win. But then Ryan won. So I think Ryan knows, man, Urban gave me a head start, so I'm not going to be like, now get the heck out of here. But I also think we're basically done with the Urban Meyer comparison era because he's had a whole year and they went to the playoff. He's had a whole recruiting class. You don't think that like – And that's it. To the point of the recruit, like you don't think that like – because this this happens with coaches anyway, even if it wasn't this situation where like, oh, yeah, he's winning, but he's winning with the other guys' guys. 
When when these well, when like that, the 2020 class and 2019 class, even when those in the 2021 class, those are the sophomores. Well, but that happens to everybody. You can That's run down the list of all the second year coaches yeah. who won national titles. But when Urban Meyer won the national title at Florida in year two, it wasn't exactly like the ghost of Ron Zook was hovering yeah. over him. It wasn't exactly like the ghost of John Cooper was hovering over Jim Tressel. That's a different thing of like until you get a full roster of only guys you recruited. Yeah. That's that's some, that happens with every job. Again, this is a very specific thing that Urban is here. That's the unusual part of this. Well, you having players somebody else recruited, that's what happens every time there's a yeah. coaching change. Urban is here. But I think we are – I really think we are done. Today was the last day of Urban still being here, like being a thing. Because I think we are also done – with any nobody who commits to Ohio State from here on out, say I'm committing because of Urban Meyer, is going to have anything to do with Urban Meyer. Yeah, if, if, they're, only, if they're a quarterback, they're going to be saying it's because because I'm. But it's everybody. No, there's nobody left that like Urban Meyer made an initial impression on. That yeah. that's why. I mean, that's not why Jack Sawyer committed. It's, it's, he committed Jack, after the after the fact. So, so I mean, yeah. like, we're done. Like I think it's over. I think like this line of questioning. I think if you ask it after this, it's stupid. I was literally about to say that. I yeah. think that, I think that question will no, happen again. people are stupid. Yeah. I think that this coming December on signing day, I think that question could come up again, and it's going to be an increasingly bad question every time it comes, I guess unless they really fall off the face of the earth. But, um, no, I mean, what you were saying before about the, the class, you know, winning with somebody else's recruits, I think this was the one last season where that was even a question just because Ryan Day now has been here a couple years himself. He started helping bring in all the guys who are here now, and especially the quarterback. Like, Urban Meyer didn't leave this program in a great position in terms of the quarterback. Right, Ryan true. Day went and got the five-star stud future NFL quarterback that made this that team also possible the guy of winning he didn't last bring year. in to leave. Yeah, no, that's true. And again, like like you said, it is a little it is a little different when you're elevating an assistant that Jim Tressel yeah. had nothing to do with the players that John Cooper brought in that helped them win. And Urban Meyer had nothing to do with the Jim Tressel players who helped them win the, the national title in year three. He didn't have anything to do with Devin Smith and Michael Bennett and some of those guys, which brings me to a point that Ryan Day brought up today, which is I want to bring up. But first, we'll take a quick break. Lots more questions from our tech subscribers. 14-day free trial. We've lost some people since the end of the year. We want to make a push to get you back invested. $3.99. There's just a lot going on. And we're going to keep hitting the texts. All three of us are doing it now. There's going to be some basketball stuff, but it's still mostly going to be recruiting and football related. We're hitting this lull. Well, there's not as much going on. So, like, this is a good way to make sure you're still having Ohio State football in your life every day. During the season, you can't avoid it. In the offseason, you know... You might forget about the Buckeyes a little bit, but you won't if you're a tech subscriber. Try it. It's kind of a different experience in the offseason, but I think it can be fun in a different way. $3.99 a month. Go to cleveland.com slash OSU to find out more. 14-day free trial. We'll be back with more questions from you texters in a minute. All right, back on Buckeye Talk. Uh, the thing that I wanted to bring up before we uh, get to some more tech subscriber questions, Ryan Day mentioned this today about building the ideal team. And he talked about wanting to make sure that in a world where they know they're going to have a bunch of five-star recruits who are going to leave after three years, wanting to make sure they have some older, experienced leaders and really wanting to have some of these fifth-year guys. Um, I have said many times that I thought one of the keys to Ohio State's national title in 2014 was the mix of Urban's 2013 recruiting class. Those sophomores, Bosa Elliott, Darren Lee, Von Bell, 
that we've talked about a million times mixed with the Trestle seniors, with Michael Bennett and Devin Smith and Curtis Grant. And it was that there were some really solid guys who had been around a while and like that mix really worked well for them. Um, and it's hard to get that mix. What did you think when like Ryan Day brought that up on signing day on Wednesday as a goal that he wants to have, that he always wants to have some of these fifth-year senior leaders? And then, like, I-, I didn't ask it, but it's like you have to have a discussion about that. It's like, well, are you it like are you recruiting some of these three-star Ohio kids because you actually are trying to make sure we don't want too many good young players because we don't want everyone to leave after three years. It's one thing to want it, but you're in control of it. Now, not every five-star leaves after three years. Not every three-star stays for five years. That's a confusing thing, but you guys know what I'm saying. Yes. yes. <laughs> but but the odds are better, right? So so if you want more fifth-year seniors and like you make that a priority – then you have to recruit more three-star players. What did you think of that whole thing? And if that's what he wants, how should he go about it? This past team had the same kind of obviously like the, this is the this past team was last the last time they had a legitimate shot at winning a national championship, and it was that same thing. Keyshawn was amazing, but so was Davon Hamilton. That's a fifth-year guy. BB Leonard's had a great year this year. A fifth-year guy, Damon, Damon Arnett, fifth-year guy, had a great year. Jordan Fuller, the same thing, and. To the, yeah, they are kind of recruiting that already because, yeah, you have Paris Johnson, you have Julian Fleming, you have C.J. Stroud, but you also have Ty Hamilton. You also have Jacob James. You also have Trey LaRux. These are guys who are going LaRue? to be – LaRue? LaRue? Is LaRue, LaRue or LaRue? LaRue. It's, it's definitely not LaRux. It's either Silent LaRue X. or LaRue. I can't remember. LaRue. LaRue. Let's get on that for next okay. week. We'll do a whole podcast, two and a half hours. How to say that guy's name? All right. Go ahead. And then Josh Fryer. The, like I think that is, especially in his, his first official recruiting class, where these are all his guys. He wouldn't got that mixture of like the guys where we know in three years they're going to be first, second, third round picks, but also the guys who can establish the Ryan Day culture at Ohio State. Where five years from now, when you have Jack Sawyer in year three looking like a first round draft pick, well, you've also got Ty Hamilton on the inside playing alongside of him as a fifth-year guy who's like a late developer but is finally showing some things and maybe plays himself into being a third or fourth round pick because of it. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, we've talked a lot about on this podcast in the past and before you guys were here, but just, I again, I've talked ad nauseum about like I think they need to save spots for some Ohio guys. I think you need an Ohio heart. I think the 25 best players in the country from all over the place would not make for the best Ohio State mm-hmm. recruiting class. But I usually, I was usually thinking about it as – having backups who don't transfer, having an Ohio heart so you don't have to explain to every single guy in the class what the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry is. I, I don't know that I had thought of it in terms of making sure you have some fifth-year seniors. So, But I guess that, I mean, that's the, that, see, is that a reasonable, prior, a reasonable priority for Ryan Day to express today? Well, I think it makes sense. I, I, and I think... It, I guess the question you're asking too is: Is there something is it important to have fifth year seniors as opposed to fourth year seniors? I think it's well, more just no, about having but, senior leadership. No, I agree. You're right. You're right. So I, you know, I but don't some know of those, but sometimes the fifth year it's a slower developing guy. Yeah. Who usually, if you're a slower developing guy, you were a lower rated recruit, or yeah. there was something that happened. You were at a lesser program. Right. You were whatever. If you're taking you a three star offensive lineman. 
That and guy's redshirt. That guy's going to yeah, yeah. That guy's projecting to have five years of eligibility yeah. in college, and and that's where a lot of these. A lot, not only a lot of the ones we're talking about as far as coming, but the ones who were just here. That's yeah. It's usually linemen on either yeah. side of the ball. It's not yeah. like they're getting three star wide outside of the running back situation. But it's not a three star quarterback and three star wide skill position. Right. And, guys. and in a lot of other positions, it tends to involve an injury that those guys right. end up being here for a fifth year. So that's like how you Justin, get a Justin Hilliard, Hilliard. Yeah, he was right. a borderline five star guy. guy. Right. Who nobody ever would have thought is filling the role that he's now filling for yeah. this team. Right. But yes, yes, I mean, it, it, it sounds good coming out of his mouth. We want to make sure we have leadership, of course. Is it actually a good roster-building strategy? If you go about it in the right way, I think, like, you really got to, like, evaluate guys and know that, like, this is going to work out. It can't just be the fifth-year guy who, in his fifth year, is still sitting on the bench, you know, bleeding from the sidelines. It That's the thing. It has to pay, like, Davon Hamilton paid off. After five years, because like, if you're a fifth year third stringer, it's hard to be a leader. Yeah, because like, why would I like? I'm in all, with all due respect. If I'm a, a guy who's going to go to the NFL, why am I listening to you when you've been here for five years and you still can't even get on the field? You're obviously not doing something right. Although, frankly, this almost makes me want to look this up. Also, fifth year third stringers don't exist because they transfer. Yeah, yeah. Because they a come to the realization on their own that they'll never play here, or. They are forced to come to the realization. I think, yeah. I and think then they leave. Because that's the thing. Like, guys like Hamilton and Landers, those guys weren't buried on the depth chart the last two or three years yeah. they were in this program. They were, there was, they, they were, were making fine. progress. They were great. They were making they progress. Were, like, they NFL were developing. Great, but they were. Right. And they could, they could see the light at the end of the tunnel that one day that is going to be my job. I'm, I'm progressing in the right way. I, I, they know where they are relative to the other guys in the room at any given time. And they know how good the people above them sometimes are and that you have to be patient. I think the other thing to remember too is, um, people will ask, like, are you sure you want to take this three star in state guy as a, as a five year project? Cause you're giving up the four star guy from wherever. And, that's one of the dangers sometimes of just looking at recruiting rankings sometimes because I think that's not what the coaches are going by. They're going by internal evaluations, and there may not be a difference in their mind between the three and the four, or, but, or a very, very slight one. But they 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 also definitely at times – I mean, when you look at this class, they, are, they did not – they could have gotten more talented guys at some spots. They could have. I mean, it's not it, – it, sometimes, you know – a guy's rated a three-star. Uh, Ryan Day said on Wednesday that, that Cam Martinez, he thinks, is one of the most under-recruited guys in the country. Mm-hmm. Cam Martinez is what? In the 300s or something? Yeah, the 300s. He literally just got that four-star four star within like the last week. But he's also the Michigan Player of the Year, right? right. Two-time. So I think, I mean, I think Ohio State would tell you, we think Cam Martinez is a top 100 talented guy. Right. But they don't think Trey LaRue is actually one of the best 100 players in the country. No. They think... The kind of person he is, where he played high school ball, the relationship they built with him, what he'll do for the program in a variety of ways, what his upside is if it pops. All those things make him worthwhile to have as a Buckeye, even though they would agree there's some linemen in New Jersey or Maryland or Illinois who's more talented than him that they could have gotten. But oh, they yeah. chose not to. Ohio State's 2016 recruiting class had Malik Harrison and, and Nick Bosa in the same class. Obviously, it doesn't take a, a 
genius to realize that Nick Bosa is going to be gone in three years and be a top five pick. But to evaluate Malik Harrison and go, okay, we can develop him over four or five years. He can turn into one of the best players in the Big Ten and uh, NFL draft pick. There's where... But but I agree. I think Malik Harrison... Had- I think Malik Harrison back then, some guys would have told you that guy's people. So he was in the Cam Martinez. Like. I think he's more that. Darren Lee, kind of the same thing. I think okay. sometimes, and, and, and that's important too. And there's a point I want to make because I'm not sure people know this about recruiting fully. I didn't 100% realize it until today. But in the end, is it sometimes the right thing? To not just take the twenty-five most talented guys you could get. I that's mean, I guess never the best in any sport. I don't think just taking the best whatever is because that's just not how well, but sports here, work. But here's yeah, the, here's it's the not thing: good fit. You could, yes, they took random f- guy in the five hundreds or whatever here when they could have probably put in more effort, put more resources, put more time into going and finding the guy who's ranked two fifty. But again, they may not see a gulf of t- of disparity there in the ultimate talent those guys have after three, four, five years. And there is you are there is a cost to it. You probably are going to have to go fight more teams, spend more time to go get that other guy. And sometimes you're filling 25 spots, and it, it is sometimes about moving your time around, moving your, your that is resources the right around. That, that's, there's a finite amount of energy and time that you can spend. And right. when you are going head-to-head with Penn State for Julian Fleming – and Brian Hartline's a bad example because Brian Hartline got like the four best receivers in the country from coast to coast. Like, yeah. He could not have been more far flung in right. getting guys from Washington, Texas, Pennsylvania, and St. Louis. But I mean, a lot of this, it's like if, if Greg Studrawa is going to do the work to make sure they lock down Luke Whipler, like if we know, hey, we got a couple of Ohio guys that we can get commitments from and we don't have to spend a lot of time on, like that is, that is value to us because we don't want to have to get a guy who's marginally more talented that's yeah. going to take three times the amount of work because we want to spend that time really going after somebody else. And, again, we, we mentioned I, – I, I think I – it was when I was doing the recruiting about the seven guys who were like the stars of the 2017 recruiting class. Mm. And this is a bad example because he was highly recruited. But Josh Myers, an Ohio kid, when he committed to the 2017 class, he said, I told them – don't worry about me. Go get other guys. So they got Wyatt Davis because Greg Strudrawa parked on Wyatt Davis's street in California because he knew Josh Myers back in Ohio wasn't going anywhere. So he could go steal the California kid because he knew Alabama or Clemson wasn't going to steal the Ohio kid because the Ohio kid said, I give you my word, I'm not going anywhere. Now, Josh Myers is also a top 50 national recruit. But sometimes, even if the kid's in the three or four hundreds, I'm going to go sit on a street somewhere else because I know we've gotten you. We don't appreciate you, but thank you for your loyalty. He's kind of an Ohio guy, but he kind of did the same thing where, like, he just kind of assured, like, don't worry about me. I'm good. Go worry worry about Jackson and and, and Julian and Mookie because, like, we're good over here. It's the one dynamic about recruiting that I feel like I understood the least. Um, from the player standpoint, just because if I was an athlete and I've had all my choices and I pick the school I'm going to, I want them to go get all of the other best. I don't want you to, don't come sit in my stands or my gym or whatever after I've already committed to you and because you feel like you have to be here for maintenance and hold my hand and make sure I stick around. Like it shouldn't be that fragile of a relationship. I've committed to you. Now go find the other guys who are going to help me win a national championship. And I, I think. I don't know. I don't know if we give five star guys enough credit for like. I think a lot of them feel that way because it's like I mean they can go wherever they want and they're probably going to get on the field 
Uh, but I think a ton also, of them also flip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A ton of them also flip. I mean, flip. it's like I don't but feel no, bad. No, like, no, no, yeah. It's no fine. I just don't think there's no fine line. You either have that extreme or the other extreme, where you're G Scott, where you're the top 100 guy who's like, yo, don't worry about me. I know what I can do. I know I'm gonna be able to come in here and have an opportunity. Go worry about that other guy over there. Or it's the you know, I'll flip if you don't pay attention right. to me. Guys. Well, but the other thing there's is no fine line with those guys where it is like. There is the fine line with the three-star guy who can kind of meet you in the middle sometimes. With the Josh Myers and the G Scotts, even when they say, hey, I'm good, that doesn't mean the, well, the, doesn't the, mean they're still circling back. Yeah, there's, no, there's no completely ignoring me, but it's like you cannot spend nearly as much time as you do on this guy because I know he needs it and I don't. That would be, uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can do and people have done in the past. With, I mean, you get the recruiting records and you find out where the flights were and mm-hmm. like where guys were, but like um, almost like... How much time did they spend on Julian Fleming versus how much time did they spend on G. Scott versus how much, like, what were the man hours? What were the man hours? And again, we wouldn't be the first. I mean, people at all different beats have done this kind of stuff because you can get the open records information on this. But it's like some guys, you know, I mean, when they were down in Texas, and I don't know for sure, but when they got J.K. Dobbins and Baron Browning and Jeff Okuda, that's not, I mean, the time that Brian Day spent making sure yeah. Garrett Wilson didn't go anywhere after all the Zach Smith stuff, like that guy spent a lot of time on that. Um, all right, we're going to run through a couple more questions. Did Corey, we have to talk about Corey Dennis a little bit. Did Corey Dennis say yes to Colorado State before Day offered him the OSU job to stay? Was his wife happy to stay in Columbus or welcoming the opportunity to go to Fort Collins where she was born? From the three one four, someone who knows where Nikki Meyer was born, which I guess we know that because that was where Urban was working when Nikki was born. Um, Corey Dennis did say today, "I had some other stuff." I think he working. took. The, I think he took the Colorado State job before Ryan Day offered him the QB coach job here. So I'm sure that the Meyer family is. I mean, the Meyer family um, is remarkable in the relationship from the parents to the kids. Like, I hope my kids love me as much as the Meyer kids love their parents. Like, they love to hang out with their parents. Like, I'm sure Nikki wants, if she can be, would like to be where Urban and Shelly are and allow Urban and Shelly to be around their two grandchildren and to have that part of their family life. Like, I don't I don't think Nikki is, like, running out the door to Fort Collins. I mean, I think it's it's... I mean, this is perfect for them. And now again, Ryan Day wants Ryan Day wants continuity, and like, so I don't know. Maybe Ryan Day's Ryan Day's going to tell Urban like, don't go anywhere because like I don't want right. Corey. You know, it's like Corey and Corey Dennis has. Of course, I mean, he would. Yeah, he's lucky to have the job he has, but but he's also in the place where he and his wife and their kids want to be because yeah. they're so close to Urban and Shelley. Um. What are the top two things that Kerry Combs missed about college football from the three one four? Kerry talked about he it. He, them off. he listed them. He missed recruiting. Yeah. He missed those relationships. He missed and running he, through the tunnel. And he said he missed watching those guys develop from yeah. a boy to a man. And he did. He missed the pageantry of a college football Saturday. He said one of his favorite things about being in Tennessee was that on a Sunday there was a woman who sat by the tunnel at the Titans stadium all the time. Yelling. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be, there's not going to, I guarantee, there's nobody in Ohio Stadium yelling, go Titans! And he's going to be like, oh, I miss Tennessee. I mean, it's just different. Somebody yeah. needs to do that now. If you're programmed that way. Nostalgia. And there are some football people who are football people. Like, they love the scheme and the strategy and the violence and the, the test of manhood, but they don't necessarily love the the bands and the, the tradition or whatever. They like, 
or getting on a plane every other hour. Yeah, I mean there yeah. are some. I mean there are a lot of guys in the NFL who are like, let me. I just want to s- scheme stuff up. Yeah. I don't care about. Which they're like halfway like that's like going to the NFL. You get to go to football school. Yeah, like, no, everybody says that, that. But I mean, like you know, there are some people who are more um, attuned to the pageantry of college football, and it makes sense that um, Kerry Combs is one of those guys. How is this early off season different for day versus last year? At the same time, I don't think we have an answer to that. I did tell our texters that I went to the Rutherford B Hayes Museum in Fremont, and somebody wanted me to ask one of the linemen if he had been to the Rutherford B Hayes Museum. I forgot to ask that, but I would advise anyone to go to that museum. I thought it was great. Um, let's see. Are you more optimistic about Ohio State's upcoming season than you were at this time last year? Or are you less optimistic? So from the 937, that's Jordan in the 937. He's a loyal listener. Um, As we sit here now, you and I were here a year ago sitting here now, so we can probably answer this best. Um, I think I'm more optimistic because I had gigantic questions about the head coach and the quarterback a year ago. And nobody has questions about either of those things Mm -hmm. right now. And whatever whatever other questions you can come up with – from losing all these great defensive players to the running back situation to whatever else, those are the two main ones, pale in comparison to can the head coach be as good as Urban Meyer and can this quarterback who just showed up be ready to play? Those are the two I mean, the, two, the two most, most important, important jobs are head coach and quarterback, and those were the questions, and they could not have passed with – so I don't – I have not thought one iota about like what their record's going to be next year, but I feel ten times better. So, yeah, I don't, but I just know like he, if Justin Fields is going to be at a Heisman level, and Ryan Day like proved everything as far as like what type of head coach he can be. So like, there's no like there's no way you could be more pessimistic than you were a year ago. From the three three zero, we have a direct answer to this. I know last year that Jeff Halfley coached the defense from the box with carries. Um, <laughs> Dynamic personality and the fact that Greg Madison had been the guy on the sideline. Where will Kerry be? Will Not he be on the sideline or in the box? He wants to be on the sideline, and like that's probably the best thing for them. But they haven't had the actual like conversation of like, will Greg Madison be in the box or on the sideline? I think Kerry will get to decide. Yeah, gonna, which gonna, means I, Greg Madison's going to be in the box, and Kerry's going to be on the sideline. I mean, Ryan Day was asked another. It might have been about that question or something else, and he said, "Well, you know." Um, Kerry and Greg and all those guys will get in a room and they'll talk about it, but ultimately it's Kerry's decision. Like, and yeah. that's so that was some clarity that we got today. And and I, I followed up with them to make sure. Okay, so we're because because they they've been very um, adamant about calling Kerry Combs the defensive coordinator, but not saying what that meant for Greg Madison beyond that. So, but Ryan Day confirmed Kerry Combs is the defensive coordinator. But not the co-defensive coordinator. Greg Madison is the co-defensive coordinator. And I think there is a designation there. It is, it's Kerry Combs' call at the end of the day. On a I, lot I of don't stuff. know if linguistically you could have a single co. But that's how they're playing it. No, I know. But it's not grammatically correct. No. Ohio State's defensive coaching alignment is not grammatically correct. No, it's not. Because but co like, implies another co. But right. it's like... I mean, Otherwise, you're not, they're not going to call him the assistant defensive coordinator. The assistant or, to the defensive coordinator. <laughs> or, or associate defensive coordinator. I mean, they do that. Yeah. Actually, they do that kind of crap all the time. So, I mean, yeah, That's Larry kind of- Johnson is technically the associate head coach. So, like, they could. Like, isn't yeah. Greg Barnes the assistant secondary coach? And, or not Greg Barnes. Yeah, Greg, he's the uh, Matt, Barnes. Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes is the assistant I have a buddy named Greg Barnes uh, who is not listening to this. Um, yeah, Matt Barnes was assistant secondary coach, but not co secondary coach, right? And Halfley was the secondary coach. Right. 
Yeah, I just think it's. I mean, I'll press Ryan Data next time. Um, Is he the assistant to the defensive coordinator? Code doesn't make any sense. From the three one two, another person. It's not personal. How come you never answer my questions, Doug? Do they suck that bad? If Luke gets the Michigan State job, do you see him being able to lock up Ohio talent in a way D'Antonio did and Harbaugh never has? Also, do you think Fickle was given a heads up? Fickle was on a radio interview on Wednesday and said that he knew nothing about this. The only person he's talked to at Michigan State was D'Antonio. And again, like news about possible NCAA violations involving Mark D'Antonio came out like a couple hours before he quit. So I'm not sure anybody had a heads up. Um, I know Fickle hasn't taken the job yet, but he hasn't thrown his hat in the ring for any other schools like Florida State or any other Power 5 job. That's the thing. This is like I don't think Luke is like looking to get out of Cincinnati, but when the right fit comes along, so like he's not going to chase Florida State. He's not going to get Florida State, so he's not going to chase it. And he's not going to chase, I mean, you know, he's not going to chase Washington. Oh, Mike Leach goes to wherever the heck he went. Washington State's open. Luke Fickle's not going to chase that. But when the right fits come, but I do think, I mean, D'Antonio, again, We've talked about this a million times. When you do a podcast for this long, you repeat yourself. Whoever can get the second level of Ohio talent, that is a great recruiting base. Your recruiting base can be the 15th through 40th best players in Ohio. What's your main recruiting base? That. Because Ohio State's taken the top 14. Now they're taking 11 of the top 14 or whatever. We're going to target 15 through 40. Kentucky's done it. D'Antonio made a lot of a lot of money doing that. Illinois did it at times. I wrote a story one time about Ron Zook poaching Ohio talent. And that was back in the day when the plane dealer did like giant, like cool graphics with stuff or whatever. And it was actually a kid that from Glen, no, it wasn't from Glenville, it was Melvin Fellows from Garfield Heights, I think, who had committed to Illinois. And I wrote this big thing about Ron Zook like stealing Ohio talent. Ron Zook was like, I read some story about me stealing Ohio talent. I don't know what I'm stealing. And then it was like Melvin Fellows decommitted and went to Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, sorry, Ron, but thanks for reading The Plane Dealer. It changes sometimes, and it's like, like who who can get it? Um, but I like I think that would be if Luke Fickle takes the Michigan State job, that will be his primary recruiting zone. Mm-hmm. He all those kids, the Darren Lees and the Malik Harrisons, and all those guys that he like made Ohio State take. Think about if Ohio State, if Michigan State could get Tyvis Powell and Pat Elfline and Josh Perry and and. And Darren Lee and Malik Harrison and all these guys who were three-star Ohio kids who every now and then feel a little neglected by Ohio State if they're late on them at all, Luke Fickle will be all over that. He will do better than D'Antonio because I think Luke is a very dynamic recruiter. He has a lot of relationships in South Florida, but he has a ton of relationships, obviously, in Ohio. And he's already done some stuff at Cincinnati with raising their level of recruiting. They have the best recruiting class. Where did they finish? Cincinnati, I think, finished with like the 25th best recruiting class. I'm pretty sure they had the best recruiting class in the American Athletic Conference. I think Luke at Michigan State would like... 40th. 40th. Are they first in the American? They are, yeah, first in the American. So 40, that tells you, again, it's like that's why you don't stay in the American Athletic Conference for so long. Because being the 40th best class in the country is the first in your conference. But again, there's 65 power schools, and he's 40th, and he's not a power five school. That's pretty good. He would kill it on second-level Ohio recruiting. Absolutely would kill it. 
Um, this is from the 513. No way Luke goes to the state of Michigan. He stays in Bill Juicy. His kids, six kids keep him home. Combs loves Ohio State and stays for a while. That is a lovely sentiment from the 513. I am not sure it is based in reality. If I, if I had six kids, I'd be going to the place that's going to double my salary. And again, I again the whole yeah. thing with Luke was of like it's you get very comfortable in a spot and it can be hard to leave, but sometimes if you have dreams and goals, you've got to force yourself to go. He had to force himself to leave Ohio State. He doesn't want to leave Cincinnati, but at some point you have to force yourself to leave or you're never going to move up. From our friend Luke from Denver, who is a very active guy that we love, Please have Stephen ask Dwayne Washington what Andre Wesson was telling him after he hit that three to put Ohio State up 57-56. Immediately, Dwayne was saying to Andre, I know, I know, I know, I know. And Andre seemed like he was like, okay, well, good, you know. Or, well, if you know, then I don't know. What what was going on with that? Do you um, know? You I, were in Michigan on Tuesday night I was. for the basketball. Um, I didn't see the text until after we had done an interview, so I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to ask Dwayne about that. But like, if I know how basketball works and I know how that certain situation works, he was probably saying a few expletives and along with like you can really shoot and kind of you know cheering him up a little bit because Dwayne Washington has had some struggles the last couple of weeks and he kind of lives in Chris Holtman's doghouse right now. Um, which Chris Holman said he's kind of used to hearing him yell at him at this point because it's been a constant theme over the last two years. And so, like, I think some of the players see it, and so they try to throw him some words of encouragement whenever necessary. Um, I thought uh, I watched, like, the last ten minutes of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, they made some good plays at the end. I also just feel like some of their late-game decision-making with some of those guys is a, is a little iffy sometimes, is it not? Are there some guys who, who maybe think they're better than they are? Yes, does Dwayne Washington sometimes yes. think he's Evan Turner? Yes, he okay. does. It's it, it's oh, it's it's a take the good with the bad scenario. Like he'll knock down a three to go up fifty seven to fifty six, but then he'll also shoot a twenty five footer in a fast break that doesn't make any sense and yeah. get yanked out of the game. So yeah, there are like Coltman has said that there are some guys who haven't figured out like that. That's they, they think they have a role that they don't. And right now, the only one who, like, for sure knows what their roles are is Caleb Weston and Andre Weston and Kyle Young. The I'm the man syndrome is a dangerous thing. The, the, the fine line between, yeah. like, you want to, you want guys to have confidence, but it's like, also, don't think you're Evan Turner when you're not Evan Turner. You don't have to save us by yourself. I think every basketball team should have one guy with irrational confidence because, like, it's going to usually – it pays but off. But it should also be a really good guy. No, it can be like – but it can be like the middle-level guy. Can I Can I? Can as I long as, like, the coach can control it. Can I interrupt you for a second? Go ahead. Were you perhaps the irrational confidence guy on your basketball 100% team? 100% <laughs> the irrational guy. Because you know what? The thing is, like, you're going to be crazy moments, but then, like, there's going to be some, no, 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 okay, yes, 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 it paid off moments. Like la- like last night when it paid off with Dwayne Washington getting the wide-open shot. Now, you have to control it and keep it, you know, steady, which means, like, when he shoots a 25-footer that makes no sense, he gets yanked out of the game. And I asked Oatman about that. It's like, how are you handling, you know, when he does have those moments, he comes out. The moment he doesn't do it, I say he's coming right out the game. And that's been the case all year. When he doesn't do what he wants him to do, he comes right out of the game. All right, a bunch more. Um, Buckeye Fitzy from the 614 asked about Big Ten realignment. There's a lot of good kind of off-season stuff that we can get into, more into the off-season. Again, we're going to have three podcasts coming up before the start of spring football. And then spring football ends in the middle of April. And then we got the summer. So, like, we'll realign everything. Um too busy for that today. Uh, Khaled in the 858 thinks Pat Narduzzi is a much more sensible hire for, for Michigan State than Fickle would be. Um, 
I, I don't know that I agree with that. I think like Pat Narduzzi was like a really good defensive coordinator at Michigan State. I just think Luke is a little more dynamic. I think Luke is like Pat Narduzzi, like 150% of Pat Narduzzi. Like Pat, they were both great co- defensive coordinators in the Big Ten. I think Luke's a little bit better of a head coach. From the 5-1-3, if Tony Alford doesn't pull in a top 100 stud running back in the 2021 class, should he be on the hot seat did you guys talk about it? You guys talked about the series last week, right? Yeah, yeah. Because you're already doing it. So a lot of the running back stuff covered, and, and, and Stephen, you have detailed all the possibilities for 2021. Like, again, I'm not afraid to ask if coaches should lose their jobs because they get paid a lot of money. But, like, are we getting – how close are we to there? We talked about well, listing the best recruiters. Hey, you get a lot of credit for J.K. Dobbins. And again, I think Ohio State, there was some people thought maybe Ohio State was wasting their time on J.K. Dobbins. Are you really going to get a kid who's 45 minutes from Austin to come to Ohio State? And like Tony Alford did it. And you saw the relationship that Tony Alford and J.K. Dobbins built. Yeah. It's like a father son relationship. It's one of the, and I think Austin Ward wrote a really good story for Letterman Row about it during the season. It was one of the, one of the closer, and J.K.'s in a situation, his dad has right. passed away. One of the closer position coach player relationships I think I've I've come across at Ohio State. That was legit. And that was a guy that Tony Alford got J.K. Dobbins trust as a recruit and it paid off for J.K. Dobbins a thousand percent, both on the field and I think in his personal relationship with his coach at Ohio State. But man, you gotta replicate that again. Is that where we are with Tony Alford? Yeah, I don't think anybody needs to tell Tony Alford that. 2020 running back recruiting didn't go the way Ohio State needed it to go. I think he's more aware of that than anyone else. So I think it's twofold. Number one, yes, it does put pressure on 2021. And as Steven has documented pretty well now, they're trying to take care of that. But the other thing is it puts more pressure on you've got to develop what you've got here. You've got until August to make these three guys, four guys, however many you think you have right now, into some kind of a running back I think and we he's know on, that, and we know that. I think he's on the hot seat if he doesn't land one the of these recruiting, guys. Recruiting. Right. I, I think he's on the hot seat if he doesn't land one of these guys. Because it's going to be the same. If we get to August, and it's the same scenario where, okay, you've narrowed down, the, you're you're really in the running for like, because two, like, two of these guys are committing in August. So if we get to August, and like these guys start committing, and like it's the same situation as last year where none of them are picking Ohio State, and you struck out three years in a row. There's no way you can like you have you have to answer. You, there's no answer for that. There's no like excuse for that. Like, he's on the hot seat if they don't land one of these guys. But as we've talked about before too, I think the dynamic that he's going to go recruit for 2021 is very different than the dynamic he was recruiting for 2020. You just had a a, a, a prime lead back run for 2,000 yards, which is why. It's, so, which is exactly why. Like, it does. You're you, right. It amplifies. Proof, you a have bit. the proof. Like last year was. Uh, J.K. wasn't good. I don't know if I like this. Oh, okay, J.K. ran for 2,000 yards. You have that now along with everything else that you bring to the table recruiting. That's a more to the point of, like, if he doesn't land one of these guys, he's on the hot seat. Well, more than just whether J.K. was good or not, it was still a timeshare before. Now you, they've shown it's demonstrable. You know, under Ryan Day and with Tony Offord, you can have one lead bell cow back come if in and yeah, if be you're awesome. good enough which right. these guys are so but yeah but so the guys that they are trying to get those you know these stud guys yeah. that they're trying to get that's what they want to see and i think they have more of that ammo now than they did a year ago at this time uh we'll run through a couple more here um will this team reach the national title game from 614 <laughs> i mean again talk to us in july when that's like the only thing we're talking about 
I mean, like, they, they're in the mix. They remain in the mix. And, like, the fact that in February you can ask that question about your team and it's a legitimate question, I mean, there's, there's 10 programs in the country, if yeah. that many. Right. Where you could ask that question, like, not be laughed at and not feel stupid asking it. So, like, your team is one of them. Does this group of early enrollees from the 614 feel different to you than years past? Um, Ha, they haven't always done this. They've done it for the last couple of years with some availability. Mm-hmm. They did do it in 2017 because I remember it was like take time. Um, <laughs> that seven – I mean th- th- this class is – they're fifth. They're not second. 17 and 18 was like the peak of Urban Meyer's recruiting powers. They were both the number two class in the country. It was like 17 was like the best Urban class ever and then maybe 18 was better. And it was like such expectation. And as much as like Paris Johnson and Julian Fleming are like huge guys, like in 17, when they pulled like three top 20 guys out of Texas, plus they got Chase Young out of Maryland, plus they got this Vegas quarterback, plus they have Trayvon Grimes from. There was just more star power. Does this one feel like it's more top hat? Like, since you were, you're the only one here that was here for that. Like, in the moment. Does this does this one just feel like it's just more top heavy than no, that one was? No, I think that felt like that had such star power. Though. Okay, like I know there's a lot of good guys in this but class, like but I mean, like Chase guys, Young, yeah, Jeff Okuda. We were going, how did that Ohio State get? Okay. They're, so they're just are, more like electricity, more electricity. I, I, I'm like Julian Fleming is clearly one of them, and, and again, I've, I've talked about again for a year. I'm going to write the California story. I'm tr- there were so in 17, there were so many guys that were like. How did Ohio State get you? Mm-hmm. You're from Southern California and you played high school ball in Vegas and you came to Ohio State? You're a great athletic big receiver from Florida and you came to Ohio State? You're the best defensive end in the country from Maryland and you can't... Who, like the guys in this class that like you can't believe they got. The big names outside of Josh Myers weren't from like... Anywhere near like Wyatt Davis, the story. I mean, they're telling the story. Greg Studraw was on his street because Wyatt Davis lived three houses down from Clay Helton. And none of these guys in this class feel like they have that type of story. It was a miracle class. They strung together like seven miracles to create the number two class in the country, and like they all paid off. Like who? I'm trying to think. Like who? Who would be the miracles of this class? Like, of course, beating Penn State for Julian Fleming when he could walk to but like Beaver is, Stadium yeah. is one of them. It doesn't. But who else? I mean, again, Paris Johnson. He's from Ohio. He should go to Ohio. I think State. the biggest like storylines with this is like you got this kid who rose up out of nowhere over six month period, and you you got two who? Co- uh, CJ. You got oh, two, CJ Stroud, yeah, yeah. You got two quarterbacks to commit in the class, which doesn't happen now. Yeah, often. that's kind of a miracle thing. Yeah. And the like but more but then you also had to like reaffirm a lot of guys. I think it's really just like with Paris, I know he never like officially decommitted, but you had to reaffirm him. You had to reaffirm legend. You just had to reaffirm Cam Martinez. I think that's more of the story is because of like Urban Meyer's retirement and then like a coach like coming here and then leaving. You spent a lot of your time like you got guys, and then you had to like kind of like re get them because of certain situations. I think that's more of the story with this twenty twenty. Not class. as, ma- but not as many miracles. Yeah, not, not as, as many, many like miracles. how it's more like, hey, how did you get this guy to stay after he already chose you? Versus like, hey, how did you get the guy who's gonna be like a Heisman Trophy finalist in three years to come here? From the five one three, Ricky Slade from Penn State's five star running back who just went on the transfer portal. Could he be of any interest to Ohio State? I think Ohio State's done bringing guys in. Like they're yeah, up against it again. Done. They're at eighty-eight. Yeah, they're done. trying to figure out how they're going to get down to their numbers. Yeah, like that. 
They're not looking for that anymore. And again, again, just when you talk to people about stuff, Ohio State is in the business of late flips. They're not in the business of like late reaches on guys who are sort of out there for some reason, right? That like Justin, as much as we talk about like the transfer portal is open and that kind of stuff, it's like Ricky Slade was a big time guy and went to Penn State and it sort of didn't work out, whatever. It's like, is Ohio State like in a. I don't, I don't know like take Penn State of, scraps. I don't know if they would use it outside of like a quarterback at this point. Like I Ohio, think that's where they'll like if they use it, it'll be. I, I could see. Well, the other thing I would say to keep an eye on is just I think things are in kind of a holding pattern for the most part right now, as far as Ohio State's own roster attrition. Probably, I mean, you're going to have to get farther into the spring before guys who are on the fence right now kind of start to see where they really sit. So if they were to lose beyond what they need to lose to get to 85 and then someone else somewhere came open i could see that i suppose someone else in a similar situation just to add some depth at running back whatever i guess i could see that but i i'm skeptical i think they're probably at where they're at they uh, sometimes i mean uh, there is sometimes when guys are out there like they're out there for a reason yeah that's the other thing and and like they're Ohio State is just at a point with who they are, which is what the top programs are. It's like, well, we don't need to go get those guys. Those are the guys who end up – I mean, Lane Kiffin will take guys like yeah. that because that's who Lane Kiffin has to take. It's one of my favorite – when writing about recruiting, it's one of my favorite things with fans where, like, you write a, a little piece about this guy and the fans are like, oh, we got to get that guy. And you write about four different guys at the same position. Like, oh, we got to get that guy. I'm like, well, you know you, can, you can't play six defensive you tackles. Have to like, get you can only all play two. top 100 recruits. <laughs> At your school. So just because a guy's out there doesn't mean you absolutely have to have him. From the 513, I neglected this in the offense podcast. And I think you guys touched on it a lot last week. But Brian Sneed was the number 80 prospect in America the year mm-hmm. that he committed as Ohio State running back. The number four running back. How much better would everyone feel about the running back room as a whole and the sure. recruiting of the position in yeah. general if Sneed was still on the team? What we're talking about, again, Tony Alford hasn't brought in a guy. Well, he didn't bring in Brian Sneed and, like, he's not here anymore. I mean, I would feel like a lot different because I yeah. think Brian Sneed like probably would be the starting running back. Would be the starting. So I yeah. mean, like yeah. it's amazing at a position like that, one guy can make all the difference. It's it's in criticizing their running back recruiting. It was a misstep by me to not bring that up more prominently because it's not their fault. It didn't right. work out with Brian mm-hmm. Sneed, and like he couldn't be here anymore. He had some off field stuff. He's now trying to latch on somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Um, it wasn't like complete negligence in the recruiting process no, but sometimes tw- 19 and 20 is where like it's just hard because no like five-star guy there Trayvon Grimes didn't work out mm-hmm. at the receiver position and like they were fine you know right. so it's like sometimes it's like well maybe it'd be nice to have five great running backs stacked on top of each other yeah. so if you lose a top 100 guy you're fine and they're not at that point with running back and I think everybody would agree on that um, what did you miss most while I was away? Uh, nothing. <laughs> I missed forcing people to listen to my opinions. Is That's, that a thing? That is Although most, I had to pay that guy to listen to my opinions. I did not give him opinions about football. That is the most Doug Lamarice answer I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Um. Wow. David Nathan is just like, like that was per- that was like, like scratching his beard like this freaking guy. <laughs> that was literally um, the best. <laughs> all right, so so there's a lot of uh, we're getting down to the nitty gritty here. There's one subset of questions um, that I want to get to that we haven't gotten to yet, 
Answer my question or I will keep whining. I don't know who you are. I missed it. Uh, sometimes, like, if you if you take a pause, like, your, your things don't come in together. Um, what is the net effect of the Halfley Comb swap if minus 10 is the worst thing that could happen, zero is meh, and 10 is the best thing that could have happened? So, like... Minus 10 is you wish Halfley was still here a lot more than Combs. Zero is it's a trade-off. Yeah, yeah. 10 is – I would say it's I would say it's probably like a, like a four like, or a five. I was going to say oh, four say or five. At least. I, I would like, think it's got to be – I mean, who else – who would have been a better – like who was like the dream candidate that they couldn't get so then they got curious? It's just no. the fact that like none of these guys – this is not like, a, like a, a new hire where all these guys have to get to know him. I mean, realistically, it's darn close to a 10. The only guy who doesn't know anything about him in this room is Ryan Watts. And it's not because of, it's not because Kerry Combs is a defensive genius or something. It's just because of the fit, the person, the familiarity he already has with guys he recruited for yeah. this. I mean, it's it being already buying into all the Ohio State stuff. Like I, the bet, like his, he, like he recruited Sean. Yeah. Ray. I'm thinking and that's more the like leader of his room. And so it's 8. not 5. like he's like, yeah, like he doesn't have to sit in there and build trust with his guys. Someone is asking, why do you never, why do you why do you have such a low opinion of my questions? I've given up asking questions that you always ignore, and now I'm going back through your number, and I can't find a question that you've asked in the last month. So maybe your questions honestly aren't coming through. I'll send you a message on that. I literally don't see any questions from you. So I apologize to that person in the 614. That's some inside texting stuff. Usually the texts work perfectly. All right, here's the last set of questions. And there are three of them. Um, and here they are as I find them. <laughs> as you, I know you guys last week talked about how I sing while I can't find the questions. But it's harder than it looks, isn't it? No. No. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> because here's what happens. I don't know if you know this, Doug, but you can actually access the questions before the podcast starts. No, but how much prep How much prep time did you put in last week? Oh, 10, 15 minutes. Oh, my God. Yeah, I put yeah. in 10 or 15 he like, seconds. No, he yeah. like emailed like the day before he emailed me at the outline of it. Oh, my God. We are. That is not how this <laughs> happened. Do not expect that to ever happen again. We, we, we um, ran like clockwork. It was pretty, yeah. Wow. I was really prepared. I mean, right. The other people on the podcast actually got to think about what they might want to say. And- I will say that <laughs> in my defense, and no one else is going to defend me, we're a little over two hours now. You guys went over two hours last week without me, who won't I shut up. I said that. Like, so yeah. it's always like, oh. It was impressive. Nathan's always like, well, you know, I think we could slim down the podcast a little bit and have there a little more construction. It's like, hey, Doug's not here. Let's go two hours anyway. What did you think of Corey Dennis speaking? Seems like he was nervous and didn't have clear, concise answers, but I thought he recovered nicely when he slipped up. I'm sure you'll cover it, but what were your thoughts? That's from Drizzy Get Busy. More questions about Corey Dennis when he spoke to reporters for the first time ever on Wednesday in a group setting. This may not mean much in the long run, but watching Corey Dennis, I saw essentially a kid who looked completely overwhelmed by the moment, timid and unsure. Granted, it's his first time speaking with the media like that, but he did not strike me as someone who is ready for the gig. What are your thoughts? It may be a good podcast discussion. That's from the 813. And there 
was one more question. I watched the presser today, and Corey Dennis didn't exactly fill me with confidence. Nervous, juvenile answers, etc. What's your take on his interaction with the media today? After watching him, I thought he's not ready. Then I thought he is Ryan Day, Zach Smith. Ugh. And the fact that he calls Urban Coach in social settings, ugh, from the 602. So, that's all pretty harsh. That might be unfair to Corey Dennis, but again, Corey Dennis is no longer like, hey, I'm a staffer, underpaid guy. Like, I don't know what his salary is, but he's making at least $200,000, i am sure. he's It's big boy ball now. You're a full-time assistant coach at Ohio State, and you are now in the spotlight. We know sort of what I think about this Corey Dennis thing. Those type of questions from fans who watch this press run Wednesday, what's your reaction? Well, I don't know how important I think it is that a – position coach, no matter what his age, talks to the media. It just it's especially the first time he's going out there. I just don't know how much I feel like that is a reflection on his overall job performance. I think that would be jumping to a big conclusion, especially knowing it's the first time he's gone out there. You know, I, I I'm giving Ryan Day some benefit of the doubt that he wouldn't put someone in that position that is completely unqualified in all the other ways. I think if if you think that it likes if we or if it, in in the long run if we start to see ways that it's not getting done in recruiting. It's not getting done in development. And we think that there's some kind of correlation there, but I wouldn't, I think today was some of, of just a guy who, I mean, I, I, if you've been doing this job for a while, there's probably other guys on the staff who are, who are, well, I know there are, cause they, they bring them all in over the course of a season. There's other guys on the staff who are better with the media than others. Have you ever seen, paid professional adult who's a full-time employee of a major college sports team look as nervous as he looked. I have not. That is not and 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 here here's the thing about all this stuff with Corey Dennis. Corey Dennis is Corey Dennis. Ohio State and Ryan Day are the ones who put him in this position. So he is young. He is 27. He has never been a full-time assistant before. He has never been in charge of a room. He has never been in a position to be in front of the media. If this was at Colorado State, there would have been four people in that room or they wouldn't have even done it. Everything's one-on-one off to the side. This is a great big media environment for college sports. It's not... Anything you're going to hear from me on this, and I think from us on this, whenever we criticize Corey Dennis, it is not personal about Corey Dennis. It is about the decision that Ryan Day and Ohio State made to put this person in this position. Corey Dennis can't turn himself into a 35-year-old coach with 10 years of experience overnight. I wanted to say that first. Steven, you have some thoughts. I agree. I agree with you. I didn't think I was good. Like when you first started, I was like, nah, but no, I, I agree. Like, I don't think I've ever seen that before from somebody. But then you remember, like, I mean, Corey Dennis is a year older than me. I'm pretty sure. Like, I'm, like if like, and I think he looked, he was ready. For, like when I saw him walking down the head to the podium, like, I mean, he's, you know, groomed himself. Like he looks like a guy that's first day. He looked ready. And then it seemed like, Jerry Emick said go, and like he went, oh, this is a lot. So I guess the question is, I think we can all agree he looked nervous, and he he seemed more nervous than almost any coach we had seen in that situation. Yeah. But it's sort of what you were getting at, Nathan. What does that mean? Should that give fans pause or concern? And early on, he did talk about, so there was a question he was asked, and then he kind of stammered and looked off for an answer, and he said that it was because he sort of forgot what he was talking about it wasn't i don't know that it was so much nervousness i think it was maybe just 
a brain fart that sometimes happens. And then now you know you're up in front of people. I mean, I've had it happen. I've probably, I may have had it happen at some point during the course of this podcast. Um, you know, I, I, I guess I'm just I'm not ready to jump to a conclusion that that translates to being a big red flag of some kind. And I do think he got better as it went along today. I think people – I didn't shoot a video when we went and had him – in a in a more casual setting, but other people did. If you go look at those videos, I think he looks just a little bit more comfortable. I'm not I'm not saying that either. I am saying that like that was his like first initial like introduction to the fans, and it wasn't the best. I do feel like had we first gotten him like after a practice, after like the first day of spring practice, and it was just like in a in a scrum instead of up there, it would have been a lot better because we also would have been asking him about football and like. There's no me but so many things he can like answer today when like they're still in mat drills. It's not like, you know. And and at the end of the day, the first time his quarterbacks have to go into a game and do something productive. That is, is more important yeah. than the first time he goes up in front of us. No, and everybody would agree with that. The the question is, okay, if he looks nervous and young and maybe overwhelmed in this moment, does that mean he will be young and nervous and maybe overwhelmed in the moment of being a full-time assistant in charge of developing Ohio State quarterbacks? I think, I, yes, of course. Winning the, the press conference is is nothing for a head coach. It's it's some. No, yeah, that's for, for, no, for, for, for a head coach, it is. Like, and that's why I made a point of saying for a position coach as opposed to a coordinator or a head coach. I think there is. I have a different standard. I mean, I've been around other guys who you know uh, would. They they made it clear they don't want to talk to the media. You might only get them like once a season because they don't want to be a part of this. They're these gruff, old, grumpy, tough guys, and they don't want to do it. But they'll they know it's contractually obligated, so you get them once a year. It's not something that. And yet, if you go ask your players about them, they all love them and they produce. So but this wasn't that. No, this I, is I know not it's, like, it's uh, different. No, this was like a, this, this was this was no. like a guy like 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 he's been. It's not like he's been around the team, so he's seen a lot of the guys who are covering the beat. It was just like this was like his first time being like the guy who had the answer for things. I would just say that you know, press conference communication is different than room communication. It is like it, this was the first time he had the answer for things, and he didn't do the best job of that. If you were in a company where if your job was doing something every day, and then. Once every three months, you had to give a presentation. It's not the main part of your job. It's something you have to do every now and then. And you gave up and like did that in your first presentation. People would be worried. People would be like, oh, dude. Now, it doesn't mean that they would fire you or think that you were hopeless. But that is a minor part of his job. It is a part of his job. And I thought he looked nervous. Yeah. And overwhelmed. Yeah. And. I don't know about overwhelmed. I thought he looked nervous. I think he looked overwhelmed. I. And a coach who had been – again, the whole point is you're supposed to be nervous and overwhelmed the very first time you do a yeah. media conference yeah. as an assistant coach. It's just supposed to happen at Bowling Green or Colorado State or Eastern Illinois or Ashland, not at Ohio State. That's all. It's not about him. It's about – that is the thing to follow. It's about the position that Ohio State and Ryan Day chose to put him in. Yeah, I understand. And, I understand. And, yeah. and I just am. Uh, I, I, it's not everything. And those questions were, Driz, Driz, I don't mean. But I'm mean. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know when we'll get him again. But again, like, the, the Ohio State media contingent is pretty big. It's not the Yankees beat. 
I mean, that is not when people are not like grilling him. Right. I mean, like, let's see what happens when like spring ball rolls around, and if if CJ Stroud and Jack Miller don't look like they have at least had some type of development, or then it's going to be a, Justin Fields throws three interceptions or whatever. Yeah. I mean, they're just not going to bring him out. But then they're going to like leave the quarterback to hang out the draw. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we're just not going to get that position. If things go wrong with the quarterbacks, we're never going to talk to Corey Dennis. They're going to hide him. If things go well, then they'll push him forward and say, "Look at the great job he's doing." Mm. So I mean, it's it's. I don't want to make too big a deal of it, but like I don't think it was nothing because there have been plenty of other guys. Mm-hmm. Again, I mean, and it's not fair, except it is fair. When Brian Hartline came to the podium for the first time as Ohio State assistant coach, Brian Hartline was like, what do you jokers want? I own this room. And to yeah. be, when but, Mike Vrabel came but, to the podium for the first but, time, he was going to murder the media, and, not be nervous. But to be fair, they had experienced it. But they, that level, but they were the f- that right. was their first jobs Job. as full-time assistants And they had, and they had already been through like the media rigors as players. At the highest level. Yes, like, exactly. He hasn't even... That's, yeah. that's his point. No, I, yeah, I, I'm but, agreeing. But all I'm judging you on, I don't care. Now... You're here now. You're an Ohio State assistant coach. It doesn't matter what... I, you, you know, like, you get graded on a curve for only oh so long. Just like they tell these recruits. They knock the five-star out of you when they get here, mm-hmm. and they don't talk you down because you're a three-star. It's about what are you doing every day at Ohio State to perform. I don't care how Corey Dennis got this job and what he did before. What is he doing every day to perform at Ohio State? And part of his job today was performing in a news conference in front of the media, and he wasn't that great. Compare Corey De- Now, Kerry Combs is making five times as much money and has a load more responsibility than Corey Dennis. However, they are both two of the ten assistant coaches at Ohio State. Compare Kerry Combs to Corey Dennis. Kerry Combs owned the room. The room owned... And of course, Kerry Combs is going to be better. Should it be a hundred times better than Corey Dennis? I mean, it's not. It's going to feel unfair. And I and again, I told and I texted this to people. I like tried to. I I told C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller today that like, man, it's going to feel like sometimes you might feel like we're trying to pit you against each other. That's not what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. It's just competition. Quarterback competitions are interesting. And they were like, we get it. It's going to feel like sometimes, I have a feeling, especially with me, because I'm a jerk, it's going to feel like sometimes that I'm picking on Corey Dennis this year, and I'm not picking on Corey Dennis, but on behalf of people who care about Ohio State football, I am not grading Corey Dennis on a curve. You don't get graded on a curve at Ohio State. None of those players, 1 through 85 in scholarship, 1 through 115 on the roster get graded on a curve. None of the assistant coaches should be graded on a curve either. He has to do his job. Ryan Day is there to back him up. Yes, your salary matters. Matt Barnes is not as expected to be as good at his job as Kerry Combs is. You can't have $10 million assistance on a staff. You have to have a hierarchy. But you don't get to be, like, not good at your job just because you're young. Because Ohio State picked you over everybody else in the country, and that's it. You're an Ohio State assistant, and that's how you're going to be judged. And I don't think that's unfair. Is that unfair? No, I understand where you're coming from. I guess I just I didn't see it as as being a a, a disaster. Bi- no, no, it wasn't not, a disaster. It's not the biggest thing, but it is something that you have to like keep an eye on. Yes, I imagine. That's you what, know, I think that's the point. You know, no, probably, it's not the end of the world, but like he could have come up today and been like, "Whoa." This guy is the next Sean. And it's Holy still, but it's, moly. it still wouldn't have been like 
the biggest thing in the world, but it, it gives you something to keep an eye on. Because if he does it again, then it's a it's like a he thing. could have. Yes, well, that, I mean, like we can people we talk about winning the news conference all the time. Yeah, I mean that is a thing, and of course it matters less than people make of it, but it's it's more than nothing. And he didn't win it today. Yeah, but I bet I bet. You know, I don't know him. I met him for the first time today. But obviously, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he's probably at home having similar thoughts and thinking, I got to do better next time. That's yeah. what I think the, oh, the, yeah. the, the the ultimate question is. Does he think, oh, I need to go out and do a better presentation next time? No, I agree. And part of the ultimate question is, why does Ohio State have one of their 10 assistants who needs to do over at its press conference? Because he's never done it before. Well, because they chose to hire that guy. Okay. Um, that was long. It was not prepped it was not structured it was not planned it was not smooth was it was no not email. seamless it was not smooth jazz <clears throat> it was discordant it was hard to listen to at times it was therapy for me and i'm glad to be back okay so we're gonna do some things texters be ready we're gonna we have some ideas but we're gonna come up with some really good themes um, for you guys to interact with us on text, to give us some feedback, to come up with some cool, funny, interesting stuff for us to talk about with Ohio State football and with life over the next three weeks. And again, spring football, I think March 2nd, is that what we're looking at for the first day? Yeah, I think so. Where we'll get like a day, we'll have some stuff to talk about, we'll get Ryan Day, then there'll be like a break for spring break and then we'll come back. But at least March 2nd, we'll have some new fresh stuff. Um, until then, we're kind of treading water a little bit. Uh, I'm also, I believe, going to the NFL scouting combine. The oh yeah, this I'm month. on that too. That's fresh. Freaking combine. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of famous Ohio State guys there. Um, and plus basketball is happening. So we didn't do much basketball today. Uh, someone asked, did they, have they, t- we'll end with this. Have they turned the corner? Possibly. I mean, three wins is enough to, you know, show that it's a pattern. But, you know, I've, I want to see what happens against, on Sunday against Wisconsin. Because that's back-to-back road games, and they haven't had to do that very often this year. So I I, I want to see that. Like, when you come off of a, a big win like that, I want to see what you do on Sunday. Yeah, I don't think they have. Based on my 10 minutes of observations <laughs> this season, I would say a hard no. Still up in the air. Uh, thanks to you guys for listening to Buckeye Talk. Again, try the text, cleveland.com slash OSU. Read all of our stories there. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, we did a boatload of videos that are going to be being dropped in the next several days, go to YouTube, look for Ohio State and Cleveland.com. You will find the stuff there. Uh, for now, we appreciate you listening. For Nathan and Steven, I'm Doug, and that was Buckeye Talk. Mm-hmm.